I I actually know that one of them was called a Gigaton Minx. I don't know yeah. what it looks like, but I've heard That's you say one. that before. That's big one. All right. Yeah. And what's the other one? A Void Tut Minx. Because it's hollow. So the Tut Minx is a 32 face cube. So they're both 32 faced puzzles. But that one's called Void because it's obviously. Tut, tut Minx it. makes me think of like Egyptian cat. It does sound kind of Egyptian. Because, yeah. It's, it's not at all. And Minx is Egyptian cat. All the Minx puzzles are, are dodecahedral. Like Why isn't it based? called the Tut Tut Deck? Because that doesn't make any sense. Dodeca. Dodeca. Yeah. Well, do, 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 Dodeca would be 12-sided technically. Oh, okay. So you need to double that. Well, 32. It's not It's not quite double. Dang it. Not quite triple either. All right. We'll have to go it's with... It's a combination of like five. and It's like a combination of pentagons and hexagons. Uh, and that combination of it makes it 32. That anyway. frightens me. All right. Gigatop makes it shall be. Okay. Forever. I feel like I need to like clarify <laughs> several things, but it's fine. <laughs> It's like, no, this is a new pen cast. Okay. All right, 96, huh? 96. Right. Yes. Let's do it. That was the year of when things happened. 96 feels like, I don't know. Something happened Definitely in 96. Definitely things happened in 96. Yeah, probably. 95 is when Toy Story came out. I remember that. Yeah. What happened in 96? We were in sixth grade? Yeah. I don't remember a lot of sixth grade. I remember I had a bowl cut. I remember I wore a lot of... Denim shorts with Velcro cargo I had, pockets. I had denim shorts, no cargo. Yeah, I, I think shorts. I was in roller hockey in sixth grade. Okay, one season of roller hockey. Yeah. I wanted to do ice hockey, and my mom was like, hey, "Yeah, you're not going to be into that. Tell you what, do roller hockey, and mm. if you like that and want to do more, then I will pay for ice hockey." That's a smart parent. It was super there. smart because guess what? You I hated like it. it. Of course, yeah, you would have hated ice hockey even mm-hmm. more. Except it would have been more expensive to find that out. You know what I got in sixth grade? In 1996? Connects. A wallet chain. Remember those? Oh. I thought that was so cool. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I got one later. But I didn't know. Like, it wasn't like, I don't know, as mainstream yet. I had mm. like go to the hardware store and buy chain. So nice. like my dad took me to like a small local hardware store and we picked up Trendsetter. Props to my dad because he was probably just like, what the heck? I know. I don't or, know if I would have done that for my son. <laughs> I would do that. I would do that for my kids. I'd be like, "What? Like, it's not harmful or anything. You're just like, this is in style. All right, whatever." You know. Hardware store. I'm like, uh, I bought chain for my wallet. That's amazing. Yep. Good dad. All right, you ready? I am. Ninety six. Let's do it. Let's do it. Welcome everybody to episode number ninety six of the Goulet Pencast, where fountain pens are still a thing. Drew's so excited. We haven't seen each other in two and a half. Hey, buddy. How you doing? Hey. Tell you, it was weird. It was weird being out and seeing the last pencast where I wasn't in it. No, you weren't. I noticed that after we did it. Yeah. It was kind of nice, though, honestly, just watching it happen. You and Adrian are great. Good chemistry. Adrian was awesome. Yeah, she here. was. Yeah, I'm like, cool. Maybe I'll take more time <laughs> off. Let her stand in. Or maybe I'll have her stand in when you're out, too. Whatever. Oh, maybe. She's anyway. always willing. Uh, anyway, let me finish the rest of my introduction, which I did notice you flubbed a little bit last time, which I was very good Oh, I, I was trying to read the whole thing. I'm like... <laughs> it's like, a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> anyway. Um, okay, whatever, Pound Pen's still a thing. Okay, I'm Brian Goulet. I'm Drew Brown. Yep, we're here from Goulet Pen to deliver this casual and informal, tangential and extraneous, superfluous and extemporaneous Fountain Pen show, where we talk about what's going on at the Goulet Pen Company and in our Fountain Pen lives. In today's show, we're back, back in the saddle after three weeks apart. Uh, we're going to be talking about the story behind the Goulet ink splatter. We have our top three pens that can't be fully captured in a photo. We are going to be talking about another Edison Premier exclusive (gasps) question mark. 
what five pen collection that would cover the entire fountain pen experience. We're going to be theorizing about each, what did I write here? Theorizing about in-person pen events or pen trials. Uh, and then we'll showcase my recent Grail pen purchase. Hey, yo. And we're going to catch up on our recent shenanigans since we haven't seen each other in a while. Uh, and we're going to kick it off with some feedback. Christine says, hey, Drew. Hi, Christine. Hi, Christine. I am a surgeon and wanted to chime in on the whip stitch. Yeah, we talked about that's whip right. stitch and Adrian was like, I wonder if that's the thing that they use in, right. uh, yeah, on people. That. Christine has some light to shed on that. Okay, thank you. Different surgical specialties are different, of course, but I will tell you that the only use for a whip stitch that I encountered during my seven years of training or in practice is in post-mortem situations. Best not to think of it too much. Oh, boy. Winky face. Okay. There are more elegant techniques that we use day to day. Love you guys. Keep mm. up the good work. Brian, would you believe that we had not one but two surgeons I would believe let us it. know about the whip stitch in use on humans? Well, you did, you did comment in last week how you're like, we just don't really know what we're talking about. And then other people that actually know what they're talking about chime in. This is a very... Case in point example of that. Um, I will say that while I did read the comment for from Christine, uh-huh. um, the other doctor that wrote in, um, I believe must be an OB because their screen name was OBGYN Kenobi. That's awesome. And I just, that was just <laughs> brilliant. That's, that's, that's really good. Love that. That's really good. Um, okay. Next up, we've got uh, TN Tuatera. And says, Drew, talking about joy, is an example of why he is chaotic good. Listening to these pencasts is fun in part because of the joy that Drew and Brian and Adrian display. Hmm. Thank you. That was super I think sweet. we're all pretty joyful bunch. I think so, yeah. And I think that, you know, working here helps with that. And I'm just going to say Markina, Markinka, Marinka. It's got a one instead I'm gonna of call that. I'm going to say that that's an I. Sure. Marinka. Says, thanks, Adrian. I really enjoyed getting to know you a little bit, but also enjoyed this week's pencast. Drew, it's okay to be a chaos monster of joviality. Oh, I like that a lot. Good, we had a lot good, of good great boy. feedback from Adrian. Uh, not one single negative thing. So uh, if you did feel negatively about her, you have successfully kept it to yourself. So thank you for that. Good job. Uh, but no, uh, she will definitely be back. She's always ready and willing to jump in if needed. And uh, really appreciate you all making her feel welcome here. It's just been such a delight reading so many positive comments week after week. And last yeah. week was no exception. So you guys are the best. Awesome. All right. I got one from Pacamanca. This was a super fun episode. Adrian was such an awesome voice. She should be narrating audiobooks. I think that's a great idea. Uh, we all miss Brian, but now we know the pencast is in good hands whenever he needs time off. I agree. Uh, thanks for the fun, lighthearted conversation. Cheers from Italy slash Portugal slash Brazil. You're all over the place. Wow. OMG, I sound like Drew with all these excited exclamation marks. Ha 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 ha. That is what I sound like. <laughs> Pretty Amazing. Much. Pretty much. I quoted this comment to Adrian yesterday because she came into my office. She was like, hey, we need a new phone, a voicemail message recorded. Because I've traditionally done those. I'm like, Adrian, it has been said, been said that, that your you, voice you is audiobook voice. worthy. She's like, ah, I don't want to do that. I, she like, could right, do it. Okay. I know. That's what I told her, but whatever. I can yeah. do what she wants. There you go. Drew, I feel like you're a living embodiment of an exclamation point. <laughs> Uh, okay. Genie Huff Puff Nine Cars on 359 says, 
instantly tried humming while holding my nose. Brian, I missed you, but I feel like Adrian and I are very similar humans. Board games, artists, mixed media memory keeping, very easily excitable and making happy noises. <laughs> that is her. Accepting all the free things. Thank you for the guest spotlight and not canceling the pencast. You're very welcome. Though I had as little to do with keeping the pencast going while I was out as anybody could. Well, we decided really together. you and Adrian. I guess so. Yeah. yeah. I allowed it to happen, I guess. But yeah. whatever. I mean, it's all Did you guys, try to so. hum while holding your nose while you were watching? No. You didn't? No. We had a lot of people write in to say like, well, I definitely tried it and it definitely doesn't work. I have my next party trick. So. Like holding your nose, like just... You can't hum. If, you can't hum if you hold your nose. Yeah, because you... You have nowhere for air to go. Yeah, <laughs> I think that. I think that usually I'm using my voice. I think that mm-hmm. it yeah. just surprises people because yeah, the air that's has to not, escape out of your nose. Yeah, that's I guess it's thing. you don't really think about like where the air is going. Humming yeah. is just such a basic thing that you never. You really, don't really think about it. Yeah, you know, take it for granted. Yeah. Hmm. Well, there you go. No. I, okay. Well, I just tried it now and it didn't work. Other than trying to like. Whatever, make a weird voice, yeah, you did voice that. noise, whatever. Anyway, um, let's talk about new stuff. We have kind of a bunch of it. We do. Oh, I'm going first. I forgot how to do the pencast. Hey! I take one week off and it's like starting over. Okay, um, we got a bunch of new things here. I'm going to try to cover as much as I can. Uh, so we have the new... Tr- blah, 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 blah. Good new, job. Ne- yep. I'm Just on it. On, on it. my game. Uh, the Netuno Superba celluloid fountain pen. I don't know. Natuna Superba. That just, that's a tongue twister there for me. Nepuba Sertuno. Yep. You got it. Uh, This is a button filler. It is. Have we ever sold a button filler? I I hope not because I told Jenea that we never have and she put that on Instagram. I don't recall ever selling a button filler. I've used button fillers on like vintage pens before, Mm -hmm. but they're not common. It's got a little little brass. Yeah, you just, push it and it's stiff you gotta like yeah really go for it yeah really go for it but it's kind of cool 14 karat nib it's only 188 pieces but it's like the real celluloid yeah. the real deal legit um beautiful green s- yeah 796 for that pen build quality is really solid on that pen i just gotta say um yeah, and it's kind of cool it's like that almost like stacked kind of celluloid looking thing it looks really good yeah kind of like an arco type whatever thing Ish. that it's known that layered kind of arco look. family yeah because some celluloids you get like the uh what layers. is it the delta one is more like swirly chunky yeah this kind is, of a thing this is definitely more stacky this is stacky yeah not chunky but stacky that's there it these are the official terms for these things just so you know that's since you, you come it. here straight to the source for these things expertise uh we also have the pelican m200 this is their new special edition the pastel blue hey so this is the m200 this is their steel nib which even though it's a steel nib it's a little bendy it's a little it's a little bouncy um so i do like that about the m200 piston filler pen M200 is a very classic pen from Pelican. Uh, and so 232 for that pen, a variety of nib options. So check that one out if you're into birds um, and pens with birds on them. Delta Duna is another pen that we have, another Italian pen. This is a steel nib pen for 156. This is interesting. It's an internal piston, like a true piston, but it's got a blind cap on it. So not to be confused with some other pens that Delta's done in the past with a captured converter. Right. It's, it seems like that it maybe looks at like first. It. Like the knob looks like the back of a converter, right, but, but then you operate it and you see the piston. It's a big old it's, chunky. It's straight up in there. Yeah, yeah. it's a real real piston in there. So that is something to be uh, cognizant of. Several different colors there. Oasis Blue, Mirage Magenta, Horizon Yellow, and Reflex Gray. 
and uh, I don't know. I like the blue, but I kind of like the gray as well. They both are pretty striking. Yeah, and they have they have kind of not always matching ink windows, but the mm -hmm. ink window is different pen to pen. Yes, it is tinted tinted translucent ink yeah. window. I wouldn't call them transparent. No, and I think we call we. We, I debated about this. We call them demonstrator on our site because they are sort of translucent, but it's like, I don't know if I would necessarily, they're not the most demonstratory of demonstrators, no. but you can see sort of what's going At on. At first so. glance, you wouldn't say that they're demonstrators, but if you hold them up to light, you can yeah. like, oh, okay, yeah. I don't know. There's no like firm line for when something's a demonstrator and when it's not, but anyway. Um, also have the Diplomat Elox fountain pen. So if you're familiar with the Diplomat Arrow, it's that similar overall shape that that torpedo uh uh blimpy kind of a shape zeppelin-esque zeppelin that's what i was thinking of um blimpy um let's see here so that is the matrix in orange and black did blimpy sandwich shops go away i think they're still around i haven't seen one in years okay not around here they weren't real big around here i don't think no i yeah. used to like blimpy and they're like quiznos i feel like they were kind of like quiznos oh man yeah like we have like jimmy john's and was Subway. there a sub like shop boom that we were unaware of that just is now falling apart i don't know maybe there's just so many other options they mm. just don't stand out as much and it's like you just know. said blimpy i'm like ah oh, blimpy yeah that was a thing that was a thing in 30 rock blimpy i don't know blimpy yeah yeah, yeah. lux uh, um uh no what's lutz. his name lutz yeah. lutz wanted blimpy for for their uh their meal and they really didn't want it, it was like in the finale i think anyways none of this matters um okay and then we also everybody's been waiting for this we're super pumped the rhodia 2024 weekly planner has arrived i'm gonna buy two that's right if you're sick of 2023 and you just want to get out and just start thinking about next year you can do that now with this planner um, it's it's similar format to the the Rodia planners that have been of old. They're Rodia, so they're really good. They're not the exact same Rodia paper that's in regular Rodias because all planners pretty much have like slightly more absorbent paper because they figure you're more on the go and that kind of thing. But it's better than many other planners, so it's it's a really good planner. We don't carry a ton of planners, but some people like them and. You know, you can like sort of write the dates in them and stuff like that. It's a more flexible kind of version of it. So anyway, we've got that. And uh, we have several different colors. I think five different colors. Black, burgundy, orange, midnight, blue, and peacock. And uh, I think it's the peacock is a North American exclusive, if I'm not mistaken. In North American? I think so. I know it's some form of exclusive. It's not Rachel. our exclusive. It's not? It's North American exclusive, oh, okay. I believe. Okay. So, yeah. I heard Rachel say we have an exclusive. I, I think North, North America. We as a, as a we continent. As a, we as a, a North America. Oh, North see. America, yeah. Gotcha. So anyway, we got that. $28 for that planner. Whew. And Drew, you got some stuff too. I do. Several things. Uh, well, keeping on the notebook kick, mm. we've got a couple new Lloyd Sturm Some Lines a Day colors. Nice. So joining the colors that are already there, we are adding in lilac and port red. So those are the same some lines a day notebooks that you have grown to love and purchase and start writing in and then stop writing in like me. I've done uh, that. Those are, those are still $30.95. I, I keep saying I'm going to try again next year, but... <laughs> I need to just get, get in the habit. So I've I've I did pretty well for like two years. Wow, a little bit off and on. I was not like religious about that's cool. Up two with years it. is pretty good. Yeah, but then like I sort of took a long break and then I came back to it. Now I'm at the point where I'm like, should I pick up? If I say I wanted to pick up on it again, 
would I pick up the same one and just have like a five-year gap now or what? Because I think I started in like maybe 2016. You, like yeah, it's just been pick, pick a up, minute. I would pick up the same one. Yeah. You know what I need to do? And just be like, sorry, things got a little busy there for five years. You know what? Sorry, hopefully it's not TMI, but I would just, I should just keep it in the bathroom. Like that's what I should do. Yeah? Yeah. I should keep a fountain pen and a notebook in the bathroom. That's okay. I feel like I, sh- I would get more done. I need, I just... I need, that, to, I need to, I need to, I mean, it's a consistent place you're always at. I know, right? You have captive attention. There, I don't I think guess. that's crazy. It keeps me off my phone. I don't know. We'll you, see. It, if you, if people know that you keep it there, they'd probably be less inclined to want to pick it up. There and you read go. It Absolutely. Too. So it's a security measure as Boom. well. Done. All right. So jumping <laughs> a little bit ahead in price from $30.95. Just, just a tad. We're going to go up a tad to $4,760 and a talk about the Visconti Alexander the Great. Fountain pen. This is one of Visconti's like special, special, special editions. Yeah, it is celebrating the twenty three hundredth anniversary of Alexander the Great's wow. demise. Um, it is a very in depth, detailed pen featuring various um, conquests and events from Alexander the Great's life, and of course, in true Visconti special edition fashion, it comes in a very ornate, over the top presentation box where the pen will stand up straight atop a wooden platform that also includes Alexander himself atop a steed with a spear seemingly looks like he's conquering the pen yeah conquering the pen (laughs) so that's there if you want to at least take a look it's something to behold if nothing else Um, also available getting some new colors of the firehead guilloche st dupont line d Fountain pen. So these are mm-hmm. the um, textured pens that are covered in Arushi. So they're not, they're textured, but they're textured under smoothness. Yeah. If that makes sense. Those are. You'll see the cool guilloche, but not yes. feel it. That's right. Because some people don't like that. No, no. I, it, I don't mind it. I like the, it depends. I don't like sharp Is that right? Edges. <laughs> How long did it take me to say it depends? <laughs> I like I I'm not as much of a fan of like really sharp edges on yeah. engravings on pens, but I don't mind texture, especially if it's like this where it's like kind of It's got to be the geometric. right. It's got to be the right texture. Yeah. Yeah. If it's, it's if like, it's chunky texture and nothing can get like stuck up in it, then that's fine. Yeah. I don't yeah. like like there have been some platinums. You remember that platinum that had like the really thin lines in it that was like yes. kind of scrapey? They were pretty like, sharp, yeah. That's disgusting. That's absolutely disgusting. Disgusting. Wow. It is. We we okay. We got a return on one of those pens one time, and there was stuff in it. Okay. Well, no, not that. No, maybe. no. So yeah. I have no. I have no patience. As someone who works at a place where certain pens can come back to you, anything with tiny little crevices and notches. Well, it's not like an exfoliator. You shouldn't be. It like... kind of was, Brian. <laughs> I wasn't going to go there, yeah. but since you, yeah, it kind of was. We so. get some. We get some returns that are yeah, just kind of no. like okay. That's too now the guilloche though. That's nice and chunky, so I'd be fine with that. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, the Firehead guilloche is eight hundred and seventy-six dollars. They really are beautiful. Uh, lilac, ocean blue, comma lilac, comma ocean blue are joining the assortment as well as graphite. And graphite is a little bit more interesting because. It actually has some matte finish to it. Usually, mm. ST Dupont pens are very, and eh, I wouldn't say executive-y, but they've got the high shine, yeah. you know, high gloss hardware sure. thing going for them. This one is uh, not that. It's definitely a bit more stealthed out than a lot of ST mm-hmm. Dupont's pens usually are. So definitely something to look at there. That's good. A couple more Ferris wheel press inks came while we were away. One of them is the Song of Scarlet. That is the Fairy Tales mm-hmm. edition. So a smaller bottle, that's going to be a 20 mil bottle for $20. 
and it is a yellow sheen in there with blue shimmer. So it is a reddish ink, but with some different color shimmer, different color sheens. Very, very interesting. Very unique. Yeah, the fairy yeah. tales inks usually have a lot of crazy stuff going They're on for trippy. them. Pretty trippy. Yeah. Um, one of the less trippy versions is the. Hampton Harbor Sage ink that launched. That's one of their standard bottles in the mm. 38 mil size, uh, $22 for the larger bottles there. Uh, does have shimmer. It has silver shimmer all mixed in with the sage green color. So also a very pretty ink, not quite as crazy as the Song of Scarlet though. Cool. That is what we have. Is that enough? Is that enough week. for right now? It's enough for right now. Yeah, we'll have more. We should do this again next week though. Okay. We'll probably have more. Sounds like a deal. All right, let's... Uh, let's a some cues, shall we? Hey! All right. The first question is part one of a twofer, Brian. Ooh, okay. Because Debunay. Debunay. Had two questions for us. It's so these handle. questions came from our YouTube community post. Oh. So all of these are from you. And that's exciting. Yes. So Debunny says, I've got two questions. <clears throat> Brian's going to tackle question one here. Mm-hmm. First of all, what's the story behind the Goulet ink splatter. The splatter. The splatter. There yes. were some There were some rumblings after Da Bunny mentioned it. Someone was like, oh yeah, I'd like to know that too. I've always wondered. Okay. And then someone else was like, well, I thought it was supposed to be like, you know, a design. Like I, I kind of, is it supposed to be like a human head? You know, I think it's supposed to represent something. And there are some rumors Brian. Oh, see, I kind of want to not answer it now and just let, yeah. the, let the rumors What does it fly. mean? What is the deep meaning behind this very mm. intentional shape? It's like a Rorschach, isn't it? It is like a Rorschach. I knew it. What you're actually seeing is... A dismembered... You're you're seeing yourself in the splatter. Oh, okay. It actually tells you more about yourself than it does about Goulet pens. Hmm. And the fact you mentioned dismembered... I didn't say that. I said dismembered... I think we see where your head is at, Drew. Oh, God. Um, No, well, so (laughs) I can... Yeah, I can go into the story. I've definitely talked about this before in the past, so it's not a secret or anything, but, you know, we've been around for a while at this point, and I'm not sure how many people would even be paying attention way back last time I might have talked about it. Uh, Well, it actually goes all the way back to the beginning of Goulet Pens. And it was a rather organic process for how we came up with the splatter. So basically we started our business. I was making pens and I had some different logos for that. But once we got into the whole fountain pen thing, um, we thought we need a new logo that encompasses something more around fountain pens. And it was like, well, I mean, ink is pretty unique aspect of fountain pens, the whole inking process. And uh, so we kind of like brainstormed a little bit. Rachel's sister at the time was going through photography school and she had some video background. She's kind of creative. So we were just brainstorming. We had no actual resources other than ourselves and the people that we knew. So we just sort of brainstormed some ideas of like, what kind of a logo should we do? And I was like, oh, why don't we just like do a splatter of some ink? That seems like something that we could do and create. So we just literally one day we're just like, let's just spread some paper on the floor and take some ink and just kind of like drip it onto the paper. Made a huge mess because I don't know if you know this, if you drop ink from like five feet onto paper that's on a floor and like drop it repeatedly to the point where it creates a puddle, it then like splatters out oh, yeah. feet so I'm pretty sure it like went beyond the paper that we had and we had yeah. to like wipe and the, up the, our the first and drop everything. is usually not so bad, but once the ink drips into more, <laughs> into ink, more ink, that's just, when it gets really yeah, it just, gnarly. It splatters everywhere. Yeah. So we did what that. Were you, what were you dripping it with? Uh, so we had some like plastic, like squeezy bottles, you know, just 
that we had we had like pen flush bottles of, um it was smaller than that they okay. were like little two ounce bottles i think in some version of when we were doing ink samples or something we tried storing them in those and this was early oh, wow. days and we were iterating all kinds of things so we just had some like plastic squeezy sort of like an eyedropper bottle like if you had like eye drops that you would put into your eyes it was like that type of a top okay but with a like, like nasal a spray bottle. or something like, like a, that yeah it wasn't oh, no no eye drop yeah yeah, yeah, yeah it was yeah. like it was like created drops not like a spray right, like like drop in your eye yes, not, yes. okay gotcha. so it was sort of like that if you can imagine that yeah but we had it filled with some different inks um of basically i mean i think we i think we created this logo like January or February of 2010. It was like the earliest of days of Goulet pens. Um, and so we grabbed a blue ink because I and Rachel love blue. And so we just grabbed a blue ink that we thought might work. It was Diamine Presidential Blue, if that matters. That ink has no significance to us whatsoever. But we knew we were going to have to doctor it up pretty well in post-production. So we just grabbed a blue ink and we just dripped it on the floor over and over again until we found a shape that appeared that seems like it could possibly work. So, you know, because we had like Goulet Pens, Goulet Pen Company, we knew we wanted something sort of taller than wide. Mm -hmm. So we went, you know, and it kind of created this little somewhat Africa looking, you know, shape (laughs) that is now the splatter. That is of no significance whatsoever. It was just organically, we created a whole bunch of them, and that's what formed that we were like, oh, that. Do you seems still cool. have the original paper? Oh my gosh, I doubt it because we ruined a lot of paper. And but like, but like the original, mm, the original logo, like the actual we splatter. Might, we we definitely had the original images. I know that, right? Because we had to we had to doctor it up quite a bit. Because like when you splatter ink everywhere, you don't that, just end up with a nice clean splatter like that, a clean. But like you get little drips that just like are. Yeah. all around the splatter so we yeah, had to but like if, that, if we still have that, that we should and, frame that and put it somewhere how cool I'll, would that I'll look be and see if we have it somewhere i don't yeah. know that was 14 13 14 years ago so it was a while ago oh man uh, still be around you Bam. keep everything though i do but other people throw things out uh, when i'm not looking because they yeah. know i'm kind of a hoarder so it oh, may man. have fallen into that so how, what was it on like a you know a4 size yeah we use like printer paper or something like that i don't remember the exact paper might have been triumph did it take up like the whole page pretty much oh we had to put down like 10 pages because it like it splattered everywhere so we had to right put, but like, like the actual many, 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 the actual main image oh the main splatter was probably three inches maybe oh that's four it? inches it was, oh. it was not huge no. oh okay no and then we photographed it and then got into the editing software and it was like really dark and it wasn't mm. as vibrant as the blue that we like so we just messed with it so it completely. doesn't it's, it's no longer it's not color accurate yeah it's no ink. longer presidential blue now if you use presidential blue you're going to be like this is not at no. all the same color it's much darker and yeah not as interesting yeah. um but i don't know we just tried a whole bunch of different colors and that's the one that ended up having like kind of the right mix of shading you know kind of like some color variants from like because when you when you put a ton of ink down like that where it pools up, it's really dark, and then yeah. when it spreads out more, it's a lot lighter. And so we kind of liked the variation that that did, and so we just kind of went with it. Um, so yeah, we did that. Um, and keep in mind, like we had no background in fountain pens, really, at that time. We were very much learning the process. So the ink was really what stood out to us as what's unique to using fountain pens. And the kind of organic and messy nature of a splatter of ink to us felt like, well, this is very disarming as a newer person into the hobby. Like rather than to us, like it felt like at that time, much of the, you know, panache around using a fountain pen was very like formal and, you know, people would like 
sign contracts with them and give them as gifts for graduations and retirements and these types of things. It wasn't necessarily something that like a student would just like mess around with. And we were like, we just, we were young and we were like, well, that's part of the fun is just like getting in there and getting messy. And so we were like intentionally wanted to make a splatter our logo because it felt embracing of that just play with it kind of nature that yeah. we've still honestly kept to this day. I like that. So yeah, that was that was really the reason behind the splatter as like the the logo. So it was somewhat organic. There was some intentionality, but also it was not a ton of it because we had just had a baby and we're like not getting a lot of sleep and we just needed a logo. And so we kind of just did it and went with it and it's really worked. So the choice to have a splatter seems very intentional. It was very intentional. The splatter itself, not at all. The way we created it was very much (laughs) of like, oh, let's wing it and see what we get. And then it was like, well, this kind of works. We'll use this for a while. And it really kind of stuck. And we're like, all right, this is us now. Nice. So a little bit more of that. So yeah, we, um, let's see here. Um, yeah, Rachel and I love blue. I mentioned that presidential blue. I'm going to tell the whole story already here without even looking at my notes. Um, I wonder if I, oh, one thing I did want to mention. So we actually used like the picture, like the picture rendering of the splatter up until about 2018. And then we fully digitized it, vectorized it because what was happening is we were trying to use it on mugs and other things like that. And it was like kind of creating problems because it wasn't, I mean, it was digital, but it was from a photograph. And the color accuracy wasn't as good. So we recreated it. It was rough around the edges. Yeah. Yeah. So when we redesigned our website, we fully digitized the logo. And that's the one we use now. So it's still the same shape and all that kind of stuff, but it is a fully digitized version now. So it definitely won't look like residential blue at all because now it's not even it's not even a picture of ink anymore. Um, But yeah, it's been a presence of our brand from the very beginning. And we have no plans to change it. It's just kind of like what people know us for now. All right. And that's the whole story. There's a splatter. And also it tells you who you are if you look at it and see. Yeah, I'm just looking at it here and wondering if I could like make a face in there or something. Mm. I I don't know. To me, it just looks like possibility. Oh, look at that. Mm. Optimism Mm. and possibility. (laughs) At this point, it's just too familiar with me to see anything else. I know. I just associate it with our company at this point. Um, Okay. I got a question from you, Drew. Part two of Debonair. Debonair. What are the top three pens that can't be fully captured in a photo, whether for colors, hand feel, writing experience, etc.? Okay. I thought this was a very fun question. This is a good Because normally I would be like, hey, Da Bunny, cool your jets. I'm going to give somebody else a, ch- a chance <laughs> to a- ask a question here. But I was like, what? Da Bunny? That's a pretty good question. That's a good, good question. All right. So, Da Bunny. Uh, the first thing that came to my mind was S.T. DuPont. Because we mm. talk a lot about whenever a new ST DuPont comes in, we're like, oh, should we carry it? Should we not? And we get in the hand, we're like, this is a really nice pen. Yeah. Like, this is a really good pen. Very but solid But they just feeling. don't sell super crazy well. But we get them and we're mm-hmm. like, oh, this is a, this feels so good. Yeah. You cap it, you uncap it, you write with it. Like, But it's there's, there's something about those pens that, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, isn't being conveyed. Yeah. Because I thought, I feel like if you write with an ST DuPont, you're mm. going to enjoy it. Mm. And maybe maybe you're still not going to buy it. Maybe you just want something that's a little bit more crazy, wild, and exciting. I don't know. But I do think that if there was a way that, you know, if you were considering an, an ST DuPont, one could teleport into your hand just for a couple minutes so you could hold it, feel it, cap it, uncap it, feel that snap, feel the weight, mm. really check out you know, how that nib is manufactured, how it curves down and, you know, hold it to the profile. You see how the feed is slightly covered by the nib, turn it. Like, I think that that, those pens tell more of a story in the hand. Hmm. 
Um, our photos are great, yeah. but that that pen, I, those pens feel like I think they have a bit of an X factor to them. Well, there's a limitation to what you can show in any photograph. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I feel like our photographers do a phenomenal oh, job yeah. of showing things like color accuracy and detail and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, it's still just a photograph. You yeah. know what I mean? And especially mentioning S.T. Dupont, when you have anything like Guilloche or anything like that, it's sometimes hard to understand like the three dimensionality and texture yeah. of a pen. The same with Machier and stuff like that. It's really tough to fully absorb that in a two dimensional photograph. You know, that's why we also try to show things in video, like in this setting, because sometimes you just can't see everything in a flat image. Yeah. And Debunny mentions here, you know, what can't what can't be fully captured, like color, hand feel, or writing experience. Mm-hmm. I know those are just examples, but I kind of I kind of went with that for my examples okay. here. So my next one is going to be an example of color. So we do capture colors very accurately. If we get a pen in here and we feel like what we have in the hand is not indicative of maybe the photos that we've received, that even if the photos are good that we receive from the vendor, we will still take photos if we don't feel like it is absolutely accurate. So yeah. we take a lot of time and effort in making sure the colors are accurate, and they are. However, with Namiki or Tachia pens that have a lot of actual Machia artistry on them, mm. we can convey the colors, we can con- convey the print, but we can't convey is you know the texture of those colors mm. and of those prints. When you yeah. hold a Machia pen, you actually feel the raised texture of the art itself. I know you're not Mm -hmm. supposed to go around touching paintings, but if you see a picture of a painting, you're like, oh, okay, cool, Mona Lisa. Mm -hmm. But when you actually are in front of, I've obviously never seen the Mona Lisa, but if you are actually in front of a painting that was done by hands, that's when you can kind of angle and see the light reflecting on the raised texture of those paintings. Or if if you do have the opportunity to touch a painting and not, you know, upset anybody, it connects you in a way to that artist mm. when you realize that this is not just a print. This, These raised layers were done by someone's yeah. brush. You're, someone's, you're still looking at the same image, yeah. but yeah, there's more depth to it. There's mm. more, and that, that tells you more, especially when you're talking about art. You you can, and the more you understand it too, you can see how they form those brush strokes and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I feel and that, that is that is really cool with both Machier and Chinkin. Yeah. I'll say Chinkin too yeah. is, Chinkin is, so Machier is, you know, painting with Urushi essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chinkin is engraving into Urushi yeah. um, and exposing a different colored layer, usually a black layer an un, with an under layer of gold. Mm-hmm. But with those, you can see every little etch and that does convey through photos really well but yeah holding it just it's a different experience yeah, yeah. it really does mm-hmm. you feel like you've just established a direct connection with the person who created this piece i'd say that's true pretty much with any like texture i mean the more the more uh extreme the texture is the easier it is to see it visually yeah and there, you know some of that but um yeah in in, in person it's you you just you just grasp it that yeah. much more and, I, and for for me here it's you, when you buy a machier pen or something that has a you know any sort of handwork in addition to just the outer layer of a rushi mm. you are buying the effort of an artisan from mm. japan mm. and that is you know, just understanding that is a big win for you and, you know, a connection to your personal writing instrument. 
but when you hold it that connection is just strengthened in a way that photos can't convey like mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that definitely comes to mind as well uh, for my last one, I'm going to say um, if I were to pick a writing experience that's kind of hard to explain, there are pens like the FA Nib on some of the Pilot pens, like the Pilot Falcon, like some of the other more bouncy, flexible nibs out there. Um, but the Pilot, Pilot E95S has a nib that isn't that, but it's also not just a standard gold nib either. Mm-hmm. It's It's in this interesting middle zone that provides more bounce than you might expect from a gold nib but you're not really going to be as concerned or worried about you know it being too bouncy because it does provide you with enough resistance to say like hey hey hey, i'm not supposed to do that so it just kind of it partners with you in that Mm -hmm. writing experience and kind of lets you know all right, you, you, we can go a little bit further here, but like, I don't know, no, no. It just, it feels like, yeah, it's just indescribable. Like yeah. the writing experience of the E95S, I feel mm-hmm. like is a very unique writing experience, kind of in a league of its own, mm-hmm. where anything more stiff is pretty well understood and common, mm-hmm. and anything more flexible is understood and a little bit more common. Mm-hmm. I think that this middle zone is the writing experience that I think is hard to convey unless you've ever written with one. Yeah. So I feel like that that is the you know, inex- inexplicable uh, writing experience categories, the E95S. Yeah, especially like in a photo. I mean, you can't really convey any writing feel no. in a photo, but a pen like that that has bounce to it or has any degree of flexibility. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at a pen like a, just throwing it out like a Noodler's Ahab, like the slit goes way up. Yeah. You can tell that it's not a normal nib. Yeah. And like, okay, it's designed, it's going to feel different somehow, even if you never used it. But the E95S and others, even like the Pilot Falcon, kind of falls in the same territory for me. You can't really tell just by looking at it that it would have any line variation to it. Yeah. So, yeah, that is obviously impossible to convey in a photograph. Um, Yeah, I think kind of like I already mentioned, the hardest thing to convey is texture. Um, Also, just weight and balance of a pen. You know, like one thing going back to your S2 DuPont, like it's a very stout pen. And like you can look at tech specs and see like how many grams it weighs and stuff like that. And you can say, okay, this pen weighs more than that one. But what does that actually mean? Like how much and especially like if a pen's longer and skinnier, but also heavy, the balance of that may be different than like a shorter, stouter pen. So a lot of times that is really difficult, the weight and balance of a pen um, to convey, whether photograph or any other method, to be honest with you. So that's something that's tough. Um, I think feel of a texture, like I think about the Visconti, like their lava resin on the Homo sapiens. That, that one popped into my brain. Yeah, it's like you can look at it. You can tell it's sort of like a matte finish or even like ebonite or celluloid or something that's like a, a different texture. But it's not an obvious texture like an engraving or a macchia type thing. It's just it feels different in your hand somehow. You know, we, it's, have, we it's, have so many like nerves in our fingertips. It's hard and soft at the same time. Yeah, it is interesting. Um, or, you know, I'm thinking about like, the grip on the stainless steel Lamy Studio. It's mm. kind of like a rubberized grip, but it's like a ru- very thin rubber coating over top of metal. So it's not a squishy rubber like you would have on like a Dr. Grip, you know, like that really squishy silicone type yeah. feel. But it's like a very hard feeling, but it feels like like rubbery. It's just there's certain pens like that, um, at like the, the matte Curados. You know, I know y'all talked mm-hmm. about that last week. That's kind of a similar thing. Like it's still hard, but it's yeah. also rubbery. It's and it's very just like similar feeling. Things like that, like you can sort of maybe pick that up, but 
it's it's hard to pick up those types of textures versus just a regular matte finish on like a metal pen, like an all-star or a diplomat arrow or something. So those are tough to get. I think some of the visual stuff, like any pen with like an abalone shell, you know, where there's like an iridescence in like a three dimension, like a depth to it. Or yeah, even a pen a that point. has like glitter, like I think of like a lot of the Banu pens. You can tell that there's like a lot going on in there, but it's the the three dimensionality and like the depth especially if you have a translucent resin with stuff in it, like the Banu pens do, you can just like in video, you can tell a little better than just a photograph, but it's that like movement of the material. I don't know how to describe it better than that, but it's like, there is a, there is a movement to the material yeah, well, it's the way as the, you're turning it. It's looking the way around. the light kind of reflects on it. Yeah. And that, that changes in the three dimensions. Definitely. That, that gets a little bit lost in a photograph. Yeah. Um, and then ob- I said, obviously anything writing related, um, that's tough to describe. I said like the pilot FA or the Falcon noodlers flex, Omniflex, certainly any type of flex or line variation. I mean, we can take a picture of the nib, like being flexed out and maybe do some writing samples, but just looking at the pen itself, you really can't convey anything yeah. about how it, how it, how soft it is or any of that kind of stuff. So that's, it just requires us to convey just a information in a totally different way that a photograph won't do it. That's why we have all kinds of other methods of describing things like tech specs and we may have GIFs on there. We may have video to supplement, you name it. Cool. All right. All right, next question. Next one, we're taking a break from Dabunny. Okay. And we're going with MJ Walicki. Mm. And MJ says, are you planning another Goulet exclusive Edison Premier color anytime soon? I'd love to see cherry red or emerald green with bold white swirls. Hmm. Very specific, MJ. Good suggestions. Yeah, so I can just give a little bit of background if you're not as familiar. The Premier is actually the OG exclusive Goulet product that we designed. Edison Edison kind of took a chance on us back in the day. Yeah, we were their first retailer, so they sold direct up until that point, and we had a very close relationship with the Grays. And... um, we came out with the Premier, which is our exclusive model. We're the only ones that have ever sold it. Uh, and so literally every Premier we've ever done has been exclusive. But, you know, basically like we've had seasonal kind of additions and things like that. Uh, and we went with that for quite a while. I want to say there's something like, I don't know the exact number. I should probably count it up. But in the 20s probably of of seasonal or special edition pens that we've done, because we used to do them quarterly for a number of years. And then we had some limited editions and stuff we threw in there on top of it. Um, It got to the point where like, just the availability of some of the resins, we were like either starting to repeat some colors and just, it kind of naturally ran its course a little bit or like some of the, just the way that that pen is designed. uh, There's certain materials that don't work quite as well. Like a lot of the quartz type materials, the chunky ones are not as stable. Like, especially on that one where the cap like kind of tapers down to meet the body, it gets a little thinner there. And we've had problems, not in anything, I mean, not anything consistent that's been shipped out, but there were problems like when we were prototyping certain materials where, you know, Brian Gray is very intentional about making sure his products are very high quality. So there were a lot of materials that we wanted to do where he was like, yeah, by the time we we turn it down like that, like some of the, those quartz type materials, they'll actually start to crack around those quartz parts because it's basically like chunks of resin that get cast into other resin. Yeah. And sometimes the bonding isn't as strong on those at the really thin parts. And so it's like, well, we can't do that one. Or if it's too translucent, 
you know, he wasn't as crazy about doing those because if you had to polish on the inside, that adds a lot of extra labor. So there were a lot of things that we kind of wanted to do. And so we just, we naturally kind of like just took a break from doing some of that. And then we also came out with the Ascent, which was a whole different model. We did the Encore, that was even further back. So we, we did a lot of other things with Edison too. Um, and then they, you know, they had other things going on. It was, it was natural for us to just like, we just picked a couple of good ones and we've offered those, you know, consistently. But it's been a, it's been a couple of years since we've really done much with the premiere. So, mm-hmm. you know, and especially now, like there's, I feel like there's more material options than there were at the time. There that definitely we are. Doing it. And, and, so, and, and the Edison Pen Company has, you know, upgraded a lot of their machines as well. They're they're working with a whole new set of machines than they Mm -hmm. were when we decided to take a break from the seasonal releases. Yeah. So their capabilities have increased. Yeah. So we started kicking up those conversations again. And I will say we have we have some something actively planned right now. Yeah we do. Something something new and fresh. Yes. So you know I'm not gonna not gonna disclose what that is, but shortly you will see something coming in the way of a new premiere. So very timely question because we've been talking, we've been knocking this around for quite a while and we did hit on something that um, will kind of freshen up the freshen up the pen a little bit. So. When, do you want to give any hints as to when people might see this thing? Is it going to be 2025? 20... Oh no, it's going to be soon. Like oh. I have the pen in my office. <gasps> like I got the sample of oh. it. So like it's it's in process. So mm. it'll be this year for sure. Very much in process. I'm not as in the loop as to the actual date and when it's happening. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't have a date, but... Um, it's going to be soon. Oh yeah. Like relatively soon. Oh yeah, it's it's happening. Yeah, so get get pumped. Um, yeah. Yes, indeed. So, I, 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 it's, it's my favorite premiere ah ever i think maybe ever Mm. i love the look of this one okay now i won't say favorite edison ever because it's not i still my miami nights ascent is still my favorite okay yeah that's the greatest edison ever that makes sense I think my favorite is the the Delphinium, which is we currently offer. Look at you offering up a definitive favorite thing unprompted. My God. That one's personal and sentimental. The Delphinium was, that was the wedding flowers that Rachel and I had for our wedding. Yeah. And that material legitimately is gorgeous. I love how like crisp the swirls are in Mm, that pen. Very crispy swirls. I love blue. Rachel also loves blue, but really purple is kind of her blurple, jam. Yeah. It's blurple with some white in there too. It's just, it, you know, it's got nice contrast. Yeah, it's like Brian and Rachel and the white can represent a together. wedding sort of vibe. Yeah, it's that's just, like the Brian Rachel. It just hits so many yeah. like, targets on the bullseye. That is pretty good. You know, so that that one I think is my favorite. But this this next one coming out is pretty, pretty yeah, We're rad. very excited about it. Yeah, so get pumped. We're going to come out with it at some point. All right, I got a question for you, Drew, from Adams1030. If you had to curate a standard five-pen collection that in theory would cover almost all of a person's fountain pen needs, what would be in that collection? Give me, an, give me no, a hard question, No pressure. Adam. Jeez, No pressure, right? This is so easy. Oh, all right. Like, how wide do you want to go with this question? Gosh. Don't, you don't want to ask yourself that. That's the that's the difference between you and me. I don't see, think about. I things. looked I looked at your list and I was like, I could go so much broader no, than this. Are see, you you are you trying to go vintage? No, you just you just start saying. What about things. filling mechanisms? No, no, no. You see, specialty you think, nib you think grinds too much. and all, like that's I just where my mind goes. So I, I'm intentionally didn't create my own list of five because mm-hmm. I was like, I'm gonna let you. Leave. This is your question. <laughs> But I have some thoughts. I'm going to definitely interject in here. Yeah, go for it. In, all right. So okay. for, first of all, I'm going to say this person didn't say. 
fountain pen. So I'm going to jump off and I'm, I'm going to say Kakamori dip pen. It said because it said cover almost all of a person's fountain pen needs. So okay. So de- I'm going to say de- define that as you will. I will. I'm going to say Kakamori dip pen because okay. If you've only got five pens, one of them being a pen that because because I thought about saying okay, well you need a good stub nib. Mm-hmm. Um, for mm-hmm. headers, you know, gre- greeting cards. kind yeah. of a vibe. Yeah. A Kakamori dip pen gives you a ton of line variation in one nib, and it also allows you swatching opportunities. If you've only got five pens and no glass pen, then you're uh, you're going to need to really find a lot of your enjoyment. If five is all you get, you're going to need to find a lot of your enjoyment by switching out different inks because you're only limited to five pens. So in order to have fun with a bunch of inks, a Kakamori dip pen that gives you a ton of line variation, either really, really thin or really, really thick, mm. is going to help you maintain that enjoyment. It's going to let you try a bunch of stuff before you ink it up into one of your five pens. Mm. And it also is that built-in big nib that if you wanted to create solid headers, big, you know, if you just wanted to write your your mom on, write mom on a greeting card envelope or something like that, it allows you to get that done hmm. easily with one thing. It's it's versatility is why I'm putting it on here. Interesting. Because it's super adaptable, covers a wide, you know, swath of actual, you know, line widths. So I feel like it's too versatile not to include on here. I don't know if I would consider it like an alternate to a stub. I agree with you. The line width variation you can get is well, I don't better say, than anything. It's not but... an, it, it doesn't create a stub line. Yeah. But for me, I don't use a stub because I, I want it to look calligraphic. I, I use mm. a stub because I, I want it to take up a lot of space. Okay. I want it to be okay. a big, bold header, or I want to just write happy birthday really nice. You mm. know, I'll write my, my, my little note like, oh, it's so nice to, to know mm. you. Thank you for living one more year, et cetera. And then happy birthday, big old swirly thing. But I just need that boldness. I don't need it to necessarily be two different line widths. Okay. Interesting. You Um, you use it a little differently than I do in that respect. Like on a stub nib. I I view it as a little more of that kind of calligraphy. I mean, I like that too. But, um, you know, that's not usually why I keep one on hand. Mm. I keep one on hand for just for the fatness. Okay. Yeah. See, for me, like the Kakimori, I'm really torn about this one. When I saw you had this on the list, I was like, ah, I don't know. With only a limit to five, I'm like, I, originally, I don't know about that. I originally had a um, Sailor uh, High Ace Neo 2.0. Okay. Um, but 2.0. then I'm like, okay. but then I'm like, you know what? Like, mm. it just with with this, you get that bold line, but then you also have something that you can continually swatch your inks with. And I, I get I that. Feel like, I, I feel think like, it's like an ink testing tool. Yeah. It's either like this or a glass pen. We're talking pen. about fountain pen needs, you know? I think I feel I like think that's, that's a need. Yeah. Yeah. I, think we're, I think we're like nuancing yeah. the verbiage of the yeah. question. Yeah, oh, for sure, for sure. Like, let's curate a standard five pen collection. Yeah. Any pen. Yeah. So if you wanted fountain to, pen need. If you wanted to ditch that one for a parallel or a high ace neo, I just, I wanted okay. something with okay. a big bold line in there. Okay. That and, I, and I feel like sense. any of those work, but the Kakamori dip nib. Adds, I think it's an interesting take. Yeah. Adds the bold nib, but then also adds some additional versatility okay. to it as well. All right, I think you've I think you've justified your decision. All righty. Um, next up, um, pen number two is going to be the Pilot E95S. Sorry oh my gosh, what a I shock! Know, I know. So this is my this is my pocket <laughs> pen option. Um, okay. And I'm not going to go with a tiny little steel nib. We've only got five pens to work with here. So I am going to go with a gold nib. You can go with pen. any steel nibs except for the Kakimori, well, I guess. We've only got five. So yeah. Uh, yeah, you're I'm just not, like going all for it here. This is it. This is your entire collection. I'm mm. not, we're not, we're not dealing with, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know. So this is portable. So it does have the pocket pen, 
you know, mm-hmm. thing happening. It can go into the pocket, pocket. It can travel with you where it needs to go. Um, but it also is a tremendously enjoyable writer. It is one of the most pleasurable writing experiences you can get. And it's versatile, especially if you go with an extra fine. So that's what I'm recommending. I'm biased. That's what mine is. I love it to death. But if it, if you're taking it different places, if that is your pocket pen, then you are you could encounter some paper that might not be super fountain pen friendly. So by going with an extra fine, it's going to be adaptable mm. and travelable. You know, portable. Oh, yeah. Portable. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Portable and adaptable. Pilot D95S in extra fine. Boom. Okay. Number three, Pilot Custom 823. Uh, this is going to be your capacity pen. This is going to be your mm-hmm. heavy journaler. This is the pen that you need to write a long time with. And personally, not a huge fan of high capacity pens. Uh, but if I only had five, I understand that sometimes I'm, I'm just going to want to write and I'm not going to, you know, with the E95S like that, the capacity there is just not going to do it for me. So, um, I'm going to go with a medium nib. It might be a little big for journaling. Um, uh, I think it's fine, but it's probably fine. It's going to, it's going to look really good. You know, you yeah. are going to get to show off a little bit of your features. If you have, if you have really small hands and you're trying to post it then it might feel a bit big. It might feel a bit big, but the alternative there is- But you could not post it. Here, here that saves a lot of the weight. Here's my thing. If I wanted to add a capacity pen, my options were okay. 580, VAC 700, or 823. Um, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I wanted something reliable that's gonna last a lifetime because this is it, five pens. And unfortunately- Well, well now, depending on how you interpret the question, yeah, that's true, it that's doesn't true. say these are the only five pens you'll ever have. That's true. It says this is a five pen collection that would cover- yeah, cover all so the I'm needs. covering the high capacity, you know, lengthy journaling session need here. I think that does that really well. And it does. Um, but uh, I will say that I have seen both 823s and VAC 700s and 580s crack. And I don't know why these high capacity pens tend to do that. But, I, it, hmm. you know, a lot of it, I think, has to do with how people disassemble them. Um, and yeah. how they should or versus shouldn't. So either they're, way- They're all prone to over-tightening yeah. that can cause some of that cracking. Yeah. So, it's not like they just crack sitting there. Usually, no, you know? no, no. But uh, so that that's a that's a consideration, but I did feel like- And for, it doesn't happen all the time. Just don't, I don't want you to be like actively no. worried, like, oh, this pen is going to crack all the time. But it's ultimately- so few, but it can happen. I went with the 823 because, you know, I feel like it will outlast the 580 and the VAC 700. Um, so going with that, pick the medium nib and um, it is medium so that you can show off some of your ink, high capacity for long writing sessions. So great nib, yeah. there's that. Um, for number four, I'm gonna go with a Sailor Pro Gear in medium fine. Hmm. So this one is another, this one is probably my all purpose pen or one of them. Uh, the reason why I'm putting this on here is because up until now, you've been pretty limited with colors. The 823, you're not gonna get that in black. You're gonna get it in amber because anything less is you can get smoke yeah. nope not gonna do that gonna, you get in oh amber. you're 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 not saying that i'm curating this option. i'm curating this brian you're it's gonna choosing be amber. the color for no, them you are okay. limited though you are very limited in that you're limited yeah, in, there's two colors to choose kakamori has no color nope and then pilot e95s that's another one like two colors it's like the 823 where yeah there's two colors but really it's just one you know i mean yeah so that ivory and burgundy for your color Amazing. You know, I'm going to, if I'm curating this for you, I'm going to say like, all right, let's talk about this. Let's, let's sit down together and let's look at all of the amazing colors of the Pro Gear line. 
And you know what? If the color is not right for you, we can go to a Pro Gear Slim. Sometimes, you know, they've got different color offerings there. But this is going to be your fun pen. This is going to be the pen that speaks to you, the pen that when you hold it, you're like, this is my mm. color. This is my Christmas pudding or this is my nuts. Like that's something that just gets you all excited. Um, and then, uh, uh, you know what? I, I, by the way, I got a comment on on the YouTubes about the last pen. If you could only buy one more pen, what would you buy? Yeah. Um, and I forgot about the nuts, uh, the Manyo nuts pen with the little yeah. acorn on it. Yeah. Like, I feel like that needs to be my answer because I really want that nuts pen. Okay. Anyway, um, this would be your fun looking pen. And as a medium fine sailor, it's going to be resilient. It's going to be reliable as far as a writing experience goes as also, well. The, the, the writing experience with that nib is going to be different than the pilots. Yep. You know, it's stiffer, it's a little toothier. Mm-hmm. So in terms of like rounding out a collection, you get a different writing experience. Yeah. With that. And it's quite adaptable. I thought about doing a zoom just for fun, but I'm like, no, that's well, you kind of got that with the cock and more. Yeah. You got your weird, nib you get your thing. weird nib already. Exactly. Yeah. You knock out a kind of a lot with just that. that yeah. Choice. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. And then, so, and we're going to round things out with hey, surprise, surprise. Number five is going to be the Lamy 2000 in black. So <laughs> this one is going to be your durability pen. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we've got the E95 S acting as a pocket pen. Um, but this isn't a go hiking, put together carport uh, fountain pen. I mean, it could be. <laughs> Anything could be a carport pen. Right. Um, the, it's portable, but not like don't beat it up. The 2000, yeah. it could stand, it could stand to get dropped, more of a workhorse, dropped yeah. a couple, you know, dozen times and be fine. So yeah, that's that, going to be your workhorse. That Lamy 2000 is one pen that I'm like, I don't really try that hard to put it in a pen case nah. i will throw it in my backpack or in my pocket yeah just open and why and you it's no worse for the wear so i feel like i've got to have an entry here that covers the durability aspect you know if you do need to just lot. kind of like put something in your fanny pack to go you know adventuring so the lamy 2000 is going to do pack. that um yes. i'm going to say extra fine on this one because they can hmm. they can put down some ink and again like the E95S being a portable pen, this being your beat em up pen is probably going to travel more often. And I think an extra fine mm-hmm. helps kind of regulate that flow a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have an extra fine 2000 and it's plenty wet. It, it, yeah. it is not stingy. So mm-hmm. I, I think that that would be just fine for, you know, a wide variety of paper. And extra fine or fine. They're pretty, they're pretty close to each other, to yeah. be honest with you. Um, yeah. yeah, I like that too. I think any pen that you have is like a knock around carry around pens you just want to pick up and write wherever you happen to be i tend to think that a finer nib is a little bit better for that choice of pen just because you don't know what kind of paper you're going to run into necessarily and having finer nibs just kind of gives you more options yeah you know so i'm going kakamori nib pilot e95s and extra fine 823 in medium pro gear medium fine and 2000 in extra fine that's my five that's my curated list okay what say you this is a very Drew list. This makes a lot of sense. Well, hold on. It's not completely subjective. There, there's, you would not. You, They're all very solid pens. Like, all right, but I'm, I'm, the I'm. On, the only critique that I might have right. is like. The Kakamori nib. You have like four Japanese pens on here. Yeah. And one German. Yeah. There's probably like other just. Things left on the table or like, you know. Sure. But if you're, if you only have five, you're going to go with the best five. I intentionally didn't come up with my own list of five because right. I'm like, it would take me like an hour to come up with going, this list. I'm not going for international variety. I'm going for, well, pen, like, for I'm pens saying like, that. I'm, I'm leaving the door open for legitimate difference of opinion 
depending on how broadly you choose to interpret this question. Because I, you could go with like, oh, you need to have like a Waterman 52 or something, like some vintage or a, a Schaefer snorkel, like something really different that's historic and not at all related to We're any We're talking of about these. needs, fountain pen needs. Exactly. You don't need Interpret a that snorkel. as you will. You definitely don't need a snorkel. Nah. But it's really cool. But there's a lot of really cool pens that mm. probably wouldn't fit on this list. I don't know. What about, all right. What about very is, much is, open is, is there a need? Like, you know, if you think about people who enjoy fountain pens, like, is there a need that I didn't cover? Something that like, well, like so application I, wise. I think I think for the parameters that you were looking for here, you did a great job of curating this list. And I'm not trying to critique your list at all. No, no, no. I want you to. I just, you know, it was already there. So it just gave me something to balance off of. What about, I, do you think people need a heavy pen? Um, Not necessarily. I mean, your like custom for, for self-defense is, purposes? Is more stu- <laughs> yeah, in case you like drive your car into a lake and you need yeah. to puncture your windows to get out of there it. You, you know, go. there's some pens that'll do yeah. well for that. Uh, no, I my only thought, like when I first got into fountain pens, I personally really liked a wide variety of nib options. And I benefited from that. So that's my only thing is like, oh, could like... I really loved a stub when I first got into it. Mm-hmm. So for me, the Kakimori is is a cool pen and it covers a lot of things, but it's not to me. It's not a replacement for a stub. So I I'm, would have I'm, a hard I'm, time I'm not putting a stub on this list. I'm also in my honeymoon phase with the Kakimori. I've had mine yeah. for a while. Sure, but sure. it's new. It's exciting. I get that. I get so that. I will admit I'm there right now. That one I'm up in the air on. You can make a case for it. You could yeah. also say it's not really a fountain. I pen, could very so. much make a case for replacing the Kakimori with a Lamy pen because that gives you replaceable nib options, like a including a stub. Yeah, like a, yeah, exactly. That's why I was thinking like, okay, maybe a Lamy with a stub. One of my favorite stubs is the 1.5 Lamy nib. See, that's interesting. I, I find that the one, I mean, 1.1 is vastly more popular. It is. But for what you like to use it for, yeah. that totally makes sense. So I'm, I'm torn about that because it's like, if you've never used fountain pens before, you have no idea what a stub is yeah. and you don't know anything about calligraphy. Probably, you know, most people don't get into fountain pens through the route of learning traditional calligraphy. Like it's usually kind of the other way around or maybe, I don't know. I mean, I've been writing but, fountain pens for over 10 years and I've never like accidentally learned any calligraphy. <laughs> right. It, it hasn't come my way. Yeah. Like, they're kind of two separate worlds. Like almost. you really need to seek it out. Yeah, you do. Yeah. You do. And some people probably do, but I don't know that people like, get into fountain pens from click. I don't know. I actually don't know. Decade plus. And I have never once just Googled, how should I be writing this particular letter? Not once. Oh, interesting. Okay. No, I have. I've, I've, I I still just followed up on it, but I just still do a a total print (laughs) G's because I'm like, how do I do a cursive G? I don't know. 10 years. Don't, don't know. Don't care. It's a regular G. All right. Fair enough. More, More power to you. Um, I, I, would could maybe make a case for like a Twisby Ego or a 580 with a stub because mm? I feel like that covers a lot of a, a few different areas. And I like the idea too. Like I like all your choices, but they're also like they're all gold nibs. They're all a little pricier. I could say like having an Eco with a stub or something like that is it's a it's a fairly replaceable pen if you yeah. need to. You know, it's like more of a knock around pen. It's not as intimidating. Oh, sure. So you know, maybe something like that. Mm-hmm. E95s is solid. Maybe a Pilot Falcon too also could could kind of get in that that's thing. a it's really not as, fun it's pen. not as much a pocket pen but it's also a really it's an iconic kind of a fun pen those two yeah. are kind of but you could still swamp. use the 2000 for your travel pen and sure, the falcon sure. could be your fun pen because yeah i will say that i don't have like the the kakamori is like the fun just write some crazy sure, stuff pen sure. but if you want to get rid of that one 
and then bring in something else for the fun pen. I could definitely see a Falcon because that yeah. is a fun pen. That to kind use. of fit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it could maybe you have a party there. with that pen. And then the only other one I thought maybe was like the Homo sapiens Bronze Age, because like you're you're mixing out of the Japanese and German, you know. But what need does that provide? I don't know. It's romantic. The material is totally different. The power filler. I mean, you sort of have that with the A23 and the A23 mechanism. I like better than the one on the Homo sapiens. The thing, yeah, with 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 the uh, if it was you, a Homo get... sapiens with a demo body, I would say like that could go in where the A23 is. It but, could be. It but could the be. reliability on the A23 kills the Homo sapiens for sure. And it's a, it's Italian. It's going to be you know it's yeah. more romantic and you know design yeah. oriented. If you're, if you're looking for QC if you're looking really, for you know? like the five pens that cover the world of fountain pens, that's that kinda, one has to be in there. That's kind of what I was yeah. interpreting the question as is like not trying to get like the best five pens that'll yeah. like last you forever. It was more of like the full gamut of what'll cover you in terms of filling mechanism, nib size, material, yeah. feel, balance, that kind of stuff. So I, I, and again, I didn't, I didn't curate my own full list, but that's only where I would like maybe make room to interpret some of these other pens in mm. there just to yeah, broaden, if you were doing like a United Nations just to broaden of pens, the experience. Then, just cause that's yeah. where, that's where my, my experience always goes to. Like if I have a pen and it's new, I'm like, well, I know I really like a medium nib or whatever in Pilot, but it's like, wow, but they got this weird nib that I've never used before. Let me get that one. Even if I don't like it as much and I'm not going to use it as much, I just want that rounded out. Yeah. Even to, even still to this day, I do that. Mm-hmm. So that's more my vibe. But anyway, it's a very solid list though. So I'm curious what y'all think too. I mean, any comments after everything we've been talking about here of ones that you think are like, oh, this this pen has to be in there. Yeah. I feel if like some, we're, if probably, was we're like, probably overlooking some stuff. If someone so. was like, hey, Infinite amount of money. I want to get into fountain pens and I can buy five. Which five should I buy? Yeah, like a Machier pen. Should a Machier be in this list? You know what I mean? It's like, mm. yeah, I really got hung up on the word needs. So okay. I, I started just like, okay, what what <laughs> what fountain pen needs need to be crossed off? Okay, well, let's be let's be real. When we're talking about You don't needs, need a fountain pen at all. With no. a fountain pen, that is a <laughs> uh-uh. super loose interpretation, yes, right? It so really is. interpret that as you will. Yes, but indeed. Still. Thank you for taking us on the journey, Drew. Yeah, that was fun. All right. Uh, <laughs> our final question this week comes to us from Bell Boots. Okay. And Bell Boots mm-hmm. asks, would pen sellers' sales increase if they permitted trials? For online sellers, could they lean on manufacturers to host testing sites? Could they work together to create at least regionally located testing centers? Could they publish far in advance what pens they would bring to shows for testing? People new to the consumer market need to try pens more than they currently can. It's a lot of questions in one. Um, would would pen testing could options they, be a good idea? Could they increase sales from like a top line revenue? Probably. Yeah. I would imagine that more, more people knowing and getting to try pens, they would probably fall in love with more pens yeah. and get to use them more. I agree. Would it be enough to offset the overhead for hosting said events? That is where I have my doubts. You know what? That would be a good question for Pilot because that's kind of what they do at pen shows. Well, I was thinking about pen shows because that's kind of what they are to a degree. So I think... That's all Pilot does because Pilot doesn't actually sell anything at pen shows. They just let people try. So most of them don't. Like most of the distributors are not necessarily selling products themselves. Mm -hmm. 
they are usually just demonstrating products and showing new stuff they have and letting people try stuff. And then other retailers who might attend the pen shows will be selling the product. So you'll go there at, say, Coles of London, and you'll try an S2 DuPont and a Visconti or whatever. They're not actually selling those pens, but they'll be like, you can go pick it up over there, over there, over yeah. there. Pilot has a ton that are inked up, though. Like a, oh, yeah. An yeah. alarmingly, like, Pilot does that. Comparably, like... I feel like Sailor's done a good job of that, too. Like, going to shows specifically just to have... I mean, they've done, like, nip grinding and stuff like that. You know, there are a number of different manufacturers that go to pen shows specifically kind of to do this. But the thing that I'll say is missing from that experience is knowing what they're going to have there. Yeah. Or even knowing who's going to be there. Or if they're going to have things inked up. Yeah. And this is the challenge with this this whole question is, like, it's great in theory, but how does that actually, like, happen? Like, there's no one governing body. Even pen shows, they're all completely just individually organized there's no like central anything that even makes pen shows happen more so, often than not it's a different person organizing every show there are a couple people that do two shows but, but that, that's super rare yeah even. so it's like literally every show is organized completely differently they're highly regional i mean especially in the u.s but i know there's other global ones too then it's just like the cost goes even higher of traveling internationally as a seller and just the laws around selling in other countries, too, gets more complicated. But, you know, physically selling in other countries. Also, you can sell online and there's logistics around that. But like traveling and going and selling in a different place, even that gets complicated. So there's a lot there's a lot of logistics around that that are way more complicated than it seems like they should be. And that's where that's where I think a lot of it breaks down. So I will say, like, some of this is already happening with pen shows. But the difficulty around that is the kind of marketing of it the communication of who's going to be at the show what products they're going to have how in the world who would communicate that where would you go as a casual pen user especially newer to the market to even learn this information to even know what it is you need to learn to know to go to one of these pen shows to know what's going to be there it's 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 asking a lot to communicate and that's tough and i love pen shows i do i think they are phenomenal i love to attend but with that loving opinion, I will say the websites for these pen shows. They leave a little to be desired. Yeah. Not usually. Because they're, they're like put together by basically enthusiasts. Yeah. You know, like they're not they're not like money making ventures. Like they're lucky to break even from hosting a pen show. Yeah. It's I, really done out of love and passion yeah. for whoever's organizing I, it. I, keeping a running list of what not like it's hard enough just to kind of keep a list of who's going to be there like they all do that pretty well but keeping a list that's accurate as to what pens are going to be available to use like that is some nitty and some gritty well especially like if you're at a pen show you're if you're a retailer you're selling products so you have to have stuff in stock and then if it's popular and people like it they buy it and then you don't have it anymore so you either have to like set a separate skew of that product aside purely for testing purposes. And then, you know, if you're also trying to sell at the same time, that gets more complicated. Which you're not going to be able to sell later because a bunch of people are going to be a bunch of people are going using to try it. it. So you're spending so it's more like an open box item at that hundreds point. and hundreds of dollars to write all of these things off, yeah. hoping that you'll make that money back. And the challenging part is this the skew count gets so stacked. Like we can say this because we have our own, you know, online store. The number of different pen brands and then you get into the models the nib type because nibs are different on a, many different pen models some of them share nib type so you could use a, a custom 823 and it's got the same nib size as a custom 743 
you know, so it's like, okay, you could use one or the other of those and then maybe understand what that nib is and buy it at the other. But on many pens, it's like specific to that model. And then you get nib size variants within that model. So the, the, the number of pens, <laughs> like if say we went to an event and we wanted you to try one of every nib, you're talking like 150 different SKUs, like 150 different products that we would have to have there. That's not even talking colors of pens. You're just talking different nib, you know, types and sizes. That gets real complicated real fast. And then to have all those out and have it make any sense and kind of walk you through it. Like there's a reason why it's it's kind of overwhelming and kind of tough to convey to somebody newer to the market. And this is this is what we've been trying to figure out for 14 years is like, how do we convey all this in a way that's helpful to somebody new? It's There is no easy answer to any of that. And if they are truly new, they could potentially get their hands on something. Like I know one thing the pilot does is they always have their 912s on display in every nib mm-hmm. size because they've got like 15 different nib sizes on yeah. the 912. So they there have a tray with all the 912s. It just takes one person to come up there and totally bork like the FA nib. Mash the thing down. And then anybody that writes with that FA nib, if pilot doesn't catch that, is going to be completely turned off of that pen. <laughs> And it's like, well, that's not what I want. So right. then at that point, that demo has the opposite effect. Then you really need like somebody knowledgeable there curating the experience, Constantly. inspecting the pens after Every people use it. Every single time. The logistics of that get get if very someone, if, if someone just yeah. writes with it at a weird angle and moves it out of alignment and it's scratchy for the rest of the day, then again, you're turning somebody off of that pen rather than yeah. onto the pen. We've had that happen. At pen, you know, we've experienced that at pen shows with ink testing tables and stuff like that. Good in theory, but when people go dipping things in and out and all over the place, everything just looks kind of a muddy brown. Yeah. You know, and people are like, oh, I really liked this color. How it was kind of a brown, brownish, muddy blue. And you're like, well, that's a red ink. So yeah, I don't know right. what you <laughs> Well, I thought butter popcorn was supposed to be yellow. This is just black. This is like, black. Yeah, yeah, well, it, was, it used to be yellow, yeah, but then some schmuck came over. And, and, yeah, yeah, that's so there's a lot of like curation. This is This is where it's like, we don't have a brick and mortar store. But this is like the world they live in, and this is this is what they do every day, and that's kind of what you need, honestly. So, like, it's more just like you should, if you want this, you kind of should just look up a brick and mortar store in your local area, and don't just showroom it and buy it from us or buy it from Amazon or whoever. Like, if you go to a store and somebody's giving you the time and attention, like, buy it from them. That's the right thing to do because they're spending that time. It's a lot of work to do that. That's why we haven't set up a brick and mortar store. You know, we've. We've legitimately talked about like hosting a pen event or even just going to a pen show and having some limited stock or something like that. But it gets so overwhelming. Yeah, so we start fast. off, we're talking about like, oh yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Like, and then we're like, well, who's good, who has the time to plan it? And everybody's like, oh no, no, it's anybody? Tough. Okay, it's well. tough. It's tough. Yeah, but I, I get day. it. I get the desire. I get yeah. the need for it. It's we'd love it's to be able to provide people with that. We would yeah. love to. Part of the reason it's not there is because you know, as part of it is like, especially in the U.S., it's such a huge country. I mean, look at the number of brick-and-mortar stores that there are in the entire country. It's like handfuls. It's not many. Like the fact that a regularly regular brick-and-mortar store is hard to sustain just shows that like there's not really enough demand there to sustain that as a business model like beyond a certain level. So not to say like brick-and-mortar stores don't have value, but I'm saying like, you know, there's just not but so many people who are newer to fountain pens that would benefit like that in-person experience to sustain all of the work that it would take to do it, like to the fixed cost of all that overhead would be would be difficult to to justify. So that's why, you know, as an online retailer, not to turn this into a sales pitch for ourselves, but like we've thought about this and haven't been able to overcome like the challenge of 
the cost of what it would take to put something like that on. So what we try to do is like really good photography. We talk about things like this as much as humanly possible. And, um, you know, we try to have a lot of education, you know, a very empathetic return policy and, and all these things just to compensate for not having that in-hand feel pre-purchase. Um, but it is, uh, it is difficult. That is yeah. one of the biggest hurdles we have. Yeah. So anyway, good thought. Um, but great questions on Q&A this week. So if you have any more questions, especially if you're an audio listener, you can hit us up at pencast at gulepens.com or you can uh, leave comments on YouTube and we will see it. All right. Next, we're going to move on to our pen spotlight, hey. which is a surprise because I got, you know, I don't have like one grail pen, but I have like a rolling list of grail pens of sorts. Uh, and I acquired one recently. It is the Numiki Yukari Royale in Vermilion. And I wanted to show you all it. Let's do it. All right, we're rolling, Brian. What do you have here? This is the Namiki Yukari Royale. It's lovely. Vermilion. And the Vermilion Yurushi, whether it's this or in the Emperor, part of its appeal is it's the most affordable version of these models of pen. So me personally, I was like, I don't have any pilot or Namiki pen of this nib size because yeah. they have their own nib size. And I'll have any vermilion pen. Do you have any regular Yukaris? I have a couple regular Yukaris that are no, like special, like no limited, limited editions. And no, this is my first Royale, which is why it was kind of a grail thing for me. And it's not a cheap pen. So I was like, I've, I've had it on my list for a while. And also we have not had them consistently for a long time. So even just having them available to get, I didn't want to like, we usually had wait lists and we would, they would trickle in a couple pens here and there over a year or so. Um, and so, yeah, got this, uh, got this in and I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to snag one of these. So I like this. It's not the big, big, big nib on the emperor, but this one is up there. I think it's, I think the pilot custom Yurushi is bigger than this, but this is like the third biggest of what pilot Namiki offers. So, so you a, haven't inked this up, have you? I have not. Well, this let's is, do it. This is a totally new pen. Um, this is a metal-bodied pen, so it's got it's got some weight to it. It's a brass yeah, body. I did a video last week on uh, this pen, and I thought that it was hard rubber, and I was wrong. Yep. yep. I, had is, to, I had to add a redaction. It's a it's a weighty pen, but it's not like super heavy. It's just you know it's got it's got some weight to it. Um, so there you go. So it's got it comes with a con seventy. You can sort of see if you look inside of there. I don't know how easily you can see, but it's it's brass inside there. It's got a little shininess. You can't no, no. no I can't really see it. Anyway, um, so yeah, con seventy. So it's a sort of a button filler ish style. Can you get that all um, the way down in there? I'm gonna see. This is just a. This is my Robert Oster Blue Water Ice that I have in there. Oh yeah, it just feels so easily drew. You know con what? Seventy is just I an filled, amazing. I, I filled a con seventy today. You know what I did? What'd you do? Syringe. That works too. You know what? I am not anti-syringe filling. I just, you know, for me personally, it's like in this situation where I am right now, then I just have an inky syringe I need to do something with. Oh, look at this. You got some paper towels here for me already. TCB. That's, that's nice. Okay. So I will say the vermilion makes it pretty easy to see when you've got ink on the grip because it stands out a lot. Okay. There we go. Got to get a little ink on my fingers because it wouldn't be the same otherwise. So this one, I actually went with a broad nib. Nice. Um, I think we had broad and medium maybe, or maybe broad and fine. We had limited options at the time. Um, this was a couple of weeks ago. But I was like, you know what? This is not like an everyday pen for me. So I'm just going to go broad and it's going to be, oh, 
Yeah. Now I'm going to start talking oh, yeah. so you can actually write something because I know that oh. you cannot actually talk and write. Yeah, at I'm the just going to make like moaning sounds <laughs> as I'm using it. It's, I mean, that's fine. If that's very springy. If that's what it's, comes naturally to you. Yeah. But it's got this beautiful Mount Fuji imprint that it does. Um, yeah, these it's really Namikis nice. have. And the breather hole as well is pretty unique. It's a very elongated breather yeah, hole. Yeah, it's like a yeah. little oval. It doesn't really mean anything. It's just an aesthetic it thing. It looks more like a puncture almost than, yeah. a, than a hole. But, I mean, this is a very wet nib. Yeah. Very wet. And this is Robert Oster Blue Water Ice, which I love this ink. Um, very heavy shader. And it's a pretty wet ink in general. So for me, like a broad nib with this is like, oh, yeah, that's the stuff. This is, is like beautiful. a match made in heaven. Very smooth nib. Again, I can't talk and actually write and I'm anything. Guessing, so I'm, I'm guessing it scribble. feels pretty good in your hand. Oh yeah, I mean, like definitely not not. Yeah, it's don't, very. Don't need to post it, right? I don't have to post it, but you know what? I'm gonna sneak over here and I'm gonna post it just because I want to see how much that affects it. It's, it's a little back weighted. It's a bit heavy. Yeah. With with the posting, so it's probably not gonna be super comfortable for most people posted. Um, and like most of their like the Yukari Royales and the Emperors especially, I'm not sure if they do it on all the Yukaris, but um, they have like a little felt kind of liner on the inside I think they there. do it on all the Yukaris. Do I don't think do they, I don't think I they think do it on so, the, I think so. I don't think they do it on the Nippon art, but I think they Probably, do it on Probably, yeah, because those are resin. Yeah. But the, all the Yurushi finished Namikis, they, they put this little felt ring on there so that when you post it, it's not just like raw threads on the Yurushi there. Um, so I feel so dumb that still I grips said that this thing was hard it's, rubber. It's weird. It's, you know, we didn't have is, any in stock at different. the time I did the video, so I would have gotten my hands on one, yeah. but I was trying to do it from memory and didn't bother yeah. to check the website because I'm an idiot. Yeah, so, I mean, I know this pen is like a, a favorite of most folks who it are really into is. the It really is. It's our most popular pen over $1,000. Well, here you go. Um, yeah. So Spoiler alert. It's a nice, it's a nice long-bodied pen. Uh, and because it's got the kind of the, the brass weight throughout, you know, because of where it kind of sits up on my hand, most of the weight feels kind of a little forward. So it's it's a little nib nib forward, which I actually really like for this, especially because the nib has a little bit of bounce to it. It kind of leans into that bounciness. Um, but yeah, nib is great. Nice and rounded nib. I'm not really noticing a lot of difference cross stroke and downstroke. You know, it's gonna be maybe a little wetter on the downstroke just because like I, I naturally want to push a little harder, but don't have to do that. So, yeah, I don't know what else to say. That's beautiful. Really good writing experience. This I'm pen, so happy that you have it. Yeah. You know, it was a, I had to get approval from my boss uh, mm -hmm. in order to get this one. Uh, but yeah, very happy that I've got it. Feed looks nice. Nice, like red feed. Yeah, it's definitely reddish. Cool. Yeah, it was reddish beforehand, but then of course this ink has a reddish sheen to it. Uh, but yeah, very solid. You know, minimalist design on this pen. You know, I like the, just a little bit of a gold ring there. Yeah. And then you got the clip and nothing else. Just no other branding, just very clean. I like that. And then, when you, of course, once you get the cap off of there, it's just the nib and the pen. And, yeah, I like it. Very smooth feeling as well. That Yeah, there's something about feeling Urushi that gives you a different hand. Yeah. Feel. And, like, the grip is is tapered down a little bit, so it's not quite as thick. I like the thickness. I like really thick grips anyway. Um, and even though the threads are right here, my thumb kind of rests on the threads, it's not really sharp, you know? It just kind of it just kind of rests on there. There's no, like, huge step here. So it's very comfortable. I could see if you hold it up, 
closer to the front you'd like that you know especially because it's got flares up a little bit yeah so i know i know you like that when they flare i up, do i like it a, like I like a positive good stop. place to stop so i can see that being really good um i tend to hold my pens in a little looser relaxed fashion so my thumb usually sits way back like this and i i like it for that too it's very comfortable uh in that fashion as well so yeah i think uh i, I kind of see why people like this pen now yeah so love it there you go. That's my recent acquisition. You got to see my my first inking of it. So now I'll get to use this. We were just talking about like the, the most recent pen you bought and uh, you mm-hmm. hadn't bought one in a while. So uh, yeah, I, there I, we go. A couple recently. I'll mention that, you know, as we get closer to the end. But anyway, that's it for the, the showcase here. And then uh, we can get into some nonsense. What is happening? Yeah. yeah. What is happening, Drew? A uh, lot. So a lot. We've been... Um, <laughs> Kind of, you know, so it's been two weeks since a regular pen cast. And in those two weeks, mm-hmm. I have had a random ailment. Oh, no. I was off. Um, so the week you were gone, I had like two or three sick days. Yeah. Um, I didn't know what was wrong with me. I went to the doctor. It wasn't strep. It wasn't pink eye. They tested that because my eyes were really irritated. It wasn't COVID. It wasn't flu. Hmm. Um, so I don't know what was wrong with me. But it's like some I respiratory had, something. Like at first, I thought it was allergies because my eyes were super irritated. My mm. throat was really sore. Um, and then the eyes got fine, but the throat, my throat pain was just consistent for like two full weeks. Gosh. Like Sunday, it got better. You got tested for strep? Yeah. Cause that's, well, what, no, I, I didn't that's get, what I associate. I didn't strep. get tested for strep, but he looked okay. in there and, okay. you know, didn't feel like it was necessary to okay. get tested. So I trust, I trust him. Yeah, I don't know. I'm but not a doctor. man, it was just mm. awful. And of course I was coughing and. I just felt bad, which sucked because I took a week off and I, yeah. I had like a list of things I wanted to do and I was able to do some of them. You know, it wasn't a bad week, but I did not feel good. Yeah, so even sucks. if I hadn't had taken that week off, I probably would have needed to, you know, cancel mm. the pen cast because I felt not good. Mm. So that was kind of lame for a week Gosh. off. Like, mm. well, I guess it was convenient in one way, but also really kind of sucked. pretty thoughtful of way. you to be sick on your time off. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that happened. Uh, so the first weekend since we have had this, I actually, for the first time since 2005, watched a WWE live event. Wow. From start to finish. Oh my gosh. Yep. So I watched the Money in the Bank pay-per-view. It's not really pay-per-view because it's free on Peacock now. Okay. So don't have to pay for Even it. Even better. Yeah. So it's the thing where it's like, it, there's multiple events, but the big Money in the Bank event is where they you know, have a bunch of people fighting and they climb a ladder and the first person to grab a briefcase from the ladder <laughs> wins and they can cash in that briefcase for a title shot at any okay. time. Okay. So it's like, I'm the money in the bank guy. So at any time, even in the middle of another match, the guy can be like, yep, I'm doing it now and come and do the thing. So okay. the stakes are high. Wow. Uh, I, you know, still unfamiliar with a lot of the current wrestlers oh i'm um, sure a little bit's but, changed since uh, 2005 john cena showed up i'm like hey that's a guy hey. i know you um that's cool because he's like doing like legit acting and yeah stuff now. yeah I so like, uh, he, he showed up but it was pretty fun i will yeah. say like it was an enjoyable has it changed a lot since you last remember like is the format no similar the only or? thing that's changed is really interesting I've been starting to just kind of follow it on social media and stuff. The thing that's changed the most is that when people talk about it, wrestling fans, they talk about it. They don't talk about like, oh, can you believe what this guy did? It's about like, oh, I think that they're positioning this guy to have an angle with this guy. They're probably going to have him oh, lose yeah. the title here and then start a feud with this guy. Like the fourth wall is broken a little 100%. bit 100%. Yeah. Well, fourth wall is totally down. Yeah, that's part of the fun is the... But that's what people are fascinated about yeah. now. They're talking about like, oh, 
well, Vince McMahon's no longer in charge of creative. The creative director is now this guy, and this guy's he is he likes to position the characters more to do this sort of storyline. I'm like, it's totally different, and it's yeah. I, I just find it fascinating that it's a little more like self-aware yeah 100 you know, and the, and yeah. and i think social media had a lot to do with that because these wrestlers are now oh, giving sure. interviews about the storylines and right. they're smiling they're joking they're totally out of character yeah and they're talking about like you know oh i'd love to have a feud with this guy one day i think he and i would work really well together like so yes that's very different yeah. I, I i like it though it's very you it know it was always kind of like known like people, it was but you know. they did but they didn't they were you couldn't find them on social media just like chilling out with their family like right. oh wait I thought this guy was really angry with this guy but he's having a beer like with having a barbecue together like, on the wait fourth. I thought those yeah. two were married no he's, he's married to this other guy in real life like that's yeah. not a thing but it's all out there now so um, it's just funny how there was a time where you probably would thought would have thought that like it couldn't survive mm. that level of transparency but it totally has just lean into you, it yeah. you could say it's thriving yeah interesting so that's been fascinating. Um, this weekend, didn't, didn't Vince McMahon, didn't they just sell? W- he did. I, I think like, I read something about it for like oh, billions of dollars. Oh, oh yeah. Like 10 billion or something so like that. So he's like a Insane. multi-billionaire Absolutely. Now? Yeah. He's still, crazy. he's still, I think, you know, chairman of the board or something like that. But yeah, he's okay. going to be there until he dies. Wow. Yeah. I mean, why um, not? It's working for him. Yeah. They sold to Endeavor, the same company that owns the UFC. Okay. Yep. There you go. So, yeah. Um, this past weekend, uh, I was sleeping in. Thankfully, Shannon let me sleep in. It was amazing. And then she comes up and says, hey, Archer asked me if he could make some breakfast. And I said, yeah. Turns out he was making everybody breakfast. So he he's made us toast. So we need to go downstairs. and go and enjoy it. And eat, eat, eat his toast. So I was like, oh, okay, let's go down. So no sooner did she tell me that than he walks in with a towel over his forearm. Oh, my saying gosh. Saying like, sir, your breakfast is served. So I was like, okay. So I go wow. downstairs and he made us some some toast with jam on it. So he made marmalade for me. Shana got something else and then he got something else. But he made just a little toast sandwich uh, with a strawberry for a nose and blueberries for eyes and a mouth on the oh sandwich. It mean, was freaking adorable. I yeah. know. I was so proud of him being so nice. Just like that's what he wanted to do when he woke up, you know. Wow. Which is interesting. Normally was it he just for an occasion, or he just no did it spontaneously. He just did it spontaneously. Look at him. I know. So that was wow, freaking adorable. Wow. Um, in this past weekend, also, I think it was Saturday or Sunday. I'm not sure, but Shannon tells me, "Hey, it's actually our 16th anniversary of when you proposed to me." Uh, and of course, we joked because we knew how cheesy and not romantic that was, but. Later on that day, we realized we didn't have anything for dinner, and we kind of half-jokingly said, well, do you want to just go to Olive Garden? Garden Because that's where I proposed. Uh, And we're like, I mean, we could. We're like, all right, why not? Let's make make it a a thing. It just kind of happened. Yeah. So um, the short version is that I proposed to my wife at Olive Garden because we had already been living together for a couple years at that point. We had no money, and she would have absolutely known that I was proposing if I took her to some park and found like a gazebo or something like that or took her to you know we didn't have money to go on vacations but i basically had to tell her because we knew we were going to get married it was a done deal when she moved from florida to virginia for me but i said you can either have this be a surprise or you could have it be picturesque this is before instagram and people were like posing and their friend hiding in the bush to capture the moment this is before that um and so she said i'd rather it just be a surprise just totally surprise me so i okay 
So we happened to be out to dinner with my two brothers and one of my brother's girlfriends. And uh, as we get out to the car, I had a song queued up, a firehouse song called Love of a Lifetime, which was like our song. And as soon as I start the car, that turns on. She turns around to tell the girlfriend like, oh my gosh, this is our song. When we get married, I want this to play. And while she's talking to her about that, I come around to the driver, the passenger side, get down on one knee. And then she just starts freaking out and crying. And I don't get to say anything, which is good because I was nervous anyway. Um, but yeah, that was our not romantic story, but she was very surprised. I mean, that's pretty romantic. I mean, like it's an Olive Garden like parking lot, you know? Well, yeah, it's, I've it's, heard of less romantic proposals yeah. that way. So that's what we did. So we got, uh, we took a picture in the parking lot. It was funny. Cause like now we have a nine year old son taking a picture of us where we same proposed. parking lot. Yeah, so I mean, that's cool. It was pretty interesting. Cool. Yeah. So we did that. Um, Olive Garden definitely like back then it was kind of like. A fancy place to go and now it's kind of like a joke that like olive garden is like the applebee's of you know italian food yeah uh i mean it kind of always has been but yeah i guess maybe, maybe my, we just thought it was maybe we just thought it was then? fancy yeah, yeah i think so i think so my mom used to always think it was fancy but i don't think anybody thinks that now anyway <laughs> uh that happened um and as far as my week off goes um i still did make it eventful you know i had a week uh we spent 4th of July at our friend Josh and Jeffrey's pool. Um, so Archer mm-hmm. continued to learn how to swim. He's now going under without holding his nose. So he's oh, been nice. very proud of that. Oh. I swam for the first time in hey, like over nice. a year. So Weren't too many people in the pool? No, it was not human soup. There you go. It was just fine. <laughs> it was just fine. So that, yeah. was, that, was, that was pleasant. Um, and I told myself on my week off that I'm going to go find a good coffee shop in Richmond that I like, mm. that, that I enjoy. So I got yeah. my bag. I have some comic books in there. I'm like, I'm just going to go and find a cozy coffee shop to enjoy. So during the week, I went to like three or four different ones and I hated them all. Oh. So A, no parking lots, which oh, like- I know how you feel about parking. If I'm going to a nice dinner in the city and I have to do street parking, that's fine. It's dinner. I, yeah. I get it. That's an occasion. But a coffee shop, like yeah. no, it's, it's not, like not worth- I'm, Yeah, I'm not going to bother hunting around for street parking mm. to go to a freaking coffee shop. I like not worth it at all. And then even when I did, I get in there and all of the coffee shops have the same aesthetic where this it's this white open industrial thing. Really? Like like you hmm. know very spacious light colored wood. Um I hmm. I want a dark coffee shop. That's what I, I associate It's shops. not anymore. No, like no, the the the, 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 the current thing, yeah, it looks like, you know, like a Chipotle or something in these places. Interesting. And it's too bright. I want like like I, an ice cream shop. That's what yes, I associate like yes. ice cream shops is like. Yes, they lots look like of white. Yes, they look like ice cream shops. Oh, that's weird. Um, and I want something. <laughs> I guess what I want is like you know Starbucks circa you know two thousand four. Like I don't yeah. know. <laughs> so I was just bummed, and it's hmm. just not worth it. Uh, so that was oh, kind of disappointing. Dang, so sorry. yeah, I'm not gonna. Yeah, I'm just gonna resigned to the fact that I'm not going to find a good coffee shop around here. Mm. This is not worth it. I did find myself. I did get out there and go to my diner. I went to city diner, got some corned beef hash, sat, nice. sat up at the bar, you know, it just for me, when you sit up at the bar at a diner to get breakfast, you only do that when you are by yourself and you have the whole day to just waste time. Like mm. that's not something you do just in your normal day. So that to me is like a great way to start mentally. Mm. Like this is a day off. Okay. I'm at a I'm at the a diner bar side breakfast situation. Yeah. So that uh, like does wonders for me mentally. So I really enjoyed that. Nice. Found a new coin shop. They opened up a coin shop at Stony Point, which 
Didn't know that was a thing. There's nothing in the Stony Point Mall, by the way. It's an outdoor mall. It's like a ghost town. There's just nothing there. Yeah. But there's a coin shop there now. Um, so I went in there, you know, poked around. It's pretty new, so they didn't have like a ton of stuff out there. Okay. But I bought a two cent piece, which I'd never have a two cent um, hmm. piece from uh, 1865, which okay. I believe is the year that um, the Civil War ended and Lincoln was assassinated. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, important little his- sure. history nugget there. Um, always and fun if to somebody kind of- says, "Can you give me your two cents?" You can literally like there we go. Give them a two I cent have two coin. cents to give now. That's fun. So that's great. Uh, visited some retro game shops, um, mm. purchased one game for five bucks. And then later, um, I had lunch with my friend Jorge at, uh, at Hangry Joe's. So I finally got Hangry Joe's chicken. Okay. Um, that was, what'd you think? So Jorge said, you might want to go with mild. I'm like, come on, I don't need mild. I don't like okay. spicy stuff. Yeah. And he's like, and even if you do, you should probably go with mild. Okay. I went with mild. That was plenty. Yeah. Yeah. That was hot. Okay. Okay. And I was surprised. I'm like, wow, that. I thought I could handle heat. They make you sign a waiver on the hottest version. Yeah, I heard. Yeah. So no, it was good. Um, <laughs> uh, the in, inside dining experience wasn't like super nice, but no, you that's know, not why you go there. Yeah, but no, it was fine. I, I would go again. Okay. But while I was there, Jorge said he's a big comic video game nerd. I told him that I bought Mass Effect Andromeda for $5. I was like, hey, $5. I know this isn't like the best Mass Effect game. He's like, oh God, it's not even worth $5, buddy. So I was like, oh man. Oh. So now I've got this game. It's only five bucks, but I'm like, not excited to play it anymore. Not even worth five dollars. I, I knew it wasn't well received. Wow. But I love Mass Effect, and I was like, I'm sure it's fine. But he said the thing he said was it's very tedious, and that word, I'm like, oh, tedious. I do not want a tedious game. I don't know. You play in tedious games before? <sighs> Some I can I can deal with if a retro game is tedious. Oh. This is like this is like a PS4 game. So, oh. mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I have okay. less patience for those. Okay. My, when the further back in time I go, the more patience I can have. Yeah, you know, but modern games, I'm like, mm, no, you should be fine by this point. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I don't know. I might not. I might not play that. We'll see. <laughs> um. And then Jorge and I later went to a comic shop. I had not been to Third Eye Comics in Shore Pump yet. So okay. Checked out that place. Didn't buy anything. I was looking for two different comics that they didn't have. It was still a cool place. So mm-hmm. went to a comic shop. Um. I bought a new pot for my Japanese maple. So I went to, you know, Strange's okay. and bought a new, it was like a lacquered blue pot, you know, yeah. very, very pretty. Those things, yeah. Yeah. I see those yeah. around. It's a pot. Yeah. It's blue. It looks nice. Cool. Good contrast with the red-ish leaves of the tree. Nice, yeah. And um, then, uh, so they're coming out with a new Ninja Turtle movie. I don't know if you've seen ads for this. Mutant Mayhem. It's oh, got like, it's okay. got kind of like Spider-Verse style animation. Okay. Very scratchy looking. Edgy, yeah. yeah. Uh, so in preparation in the marketing for that movie, they are re-releasing old school Ninja Turtle toys. Oh, so you go to Target, my goodness. you will see like old school stuff. Oh, interesting. Like, so fast forward a couple months ago, uh, I was at a vintage toy store in Carytown with Archer. And I see this little Ninja Turtle. It looks like a little, you know, pet turtle, like not mutated. Yeah. And I said, oh, I remember that thing. That thing transforms into a regular size Ninja Turtle. Oh, right. Did I tell you this story? And then it didn't transform it didn't. at all. It was like some, it was like one of those Mighty Max things okay. that you open up and it had no little figures in it. So it was just an empty play set that he had. It was an empty shell. I was wrong. So I felt so bad. Yeah. I told him, all right, you don't have to pay me back for that one because he was <laughs> going to use his own money. So I was amazed when I went into Target and saw that they had remade the actual thing that, that I thought he was getting. Yeah. So I bought that for him 
instantly. I'm like, yeah. I gotta. Like, this yeah. is he's gonna be over the moon. So especially because like those aren't gonna stick around. Like the movie's gonna release and then it's gonna be gone. Yeah. Exactly. So I was able to buy the transforming Ninja Turtle. Oh, that's cool. Um, I I was like, hey, remember when that thing happened? He's like, yeah. And I said, guess what Target re-released? And I gave it to him and he just flipped. Out. <laughs> he was awesome. so excited. Oh, that's great. Um, and it transformed just the way I remembered it. Uh, it was the Leonardo, the one that I had. Nice. So that was super cool. And of course, he got super into that. So then he wanted to go back to Target and get another one that was a different one. It was the storage shell one. You could like, it came with weapons, but the, the shell would open. You could cram all the weapons in I mean, this in is there. like the time to get those toys. You know yeah. what I mean? Because like... You know, it's not going to be around for So him. he's been pretty excited about that. And he's actually That's been fun. playing, seeing him like actually like by himself playing with Ninja Turtle toys, like the oh, old man. school a, Ninja Turtle toys. Throwback. I know. It's been really wow, fun. That's cool. And I've, I've only done minimal like, you know, influence there. You know, sure, I'm sure. sure I have had an influence, you know, but I haven't been like, hey, do you want this? You should get this, you know. So that's been that was that was pretty. I'm cool. sure your natural enthusiasm around yes. it has sold him on Absolutely. it anyway. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so that that was cool. And one other thing I did was just watch a bunch of movies. So okay. uh, every day I definitely watched a movie. I went on a little bit of a sci-fi binge. I okay. watched Prometheus, which is a prequel to the Alien films. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I watched Alien Covenant, which is the sequel to Prometheus, but still in the prequel territory okay. of the mainstream okay. Alien films. All right. Uh, and then I watched Contact, which is oh, a... I know this movie. You do, yeah. Oh, Jodie Foster I, I and like William movie. Pitchner. And, yeah. Uh, uh, I Matthew think about McConaughey that movie from time to time. Yeah. Matthew McConaughey, who hasn't aged. Like, it's just crazy. Yeah, it's kind of amazing. So, I saw the movie a long time ago before I knew anything about Carl Sagan. And then I realized that Carl Sagan actually wrote this, the um, story, the original story of that. Really? I didn't know that. Allegedly with Francis Coppola, which huh. I definitely do. And there was some legal battle, you know, oh. between the two for that, too. Interesting. But uh, yeah, I liked it a lot more this past week than I did when I was younger because I saw it in like the late 90s. Uh, when it was relatively That was new. one of the first movies that we had on DVD. Oh. Back when DVD was new. I remember because my dad, he was never like super keyed in to like trends or fashion or whatever. But when it came to like technology, technology yeah. he was always like maybe a little too forward yes. thinking. But at least he bought like DVD and not the like whatever competing version there was because it's like you know whenever know whenever was, new technology comes out i don't know if dvd had a competing technology but blu-ray did blu-ray there was like hd dvd and blu-ray yeah. i know those competed maybe dvd was just like D- the only thing that, that he, he jumped on dvd early. the only thing that came that dvd could have competed with was laserdisc but laserdisc was already gone by the time DVD yeah showed up. yeah so he jumped early on vhs and beta were a thing was he a beta guy right no no, no, he was always pretty good about picking... The winner? The winner, <laughs> except when it came to video games. Right. Yeah, he was like the Atari Jaguar and stuff like that, you know, whatever. Yeah. But I remember Contact was one of those, like, he bought, like, a DVD player back when it was, like, pretty expensive. Mm. And he bought a bunch of random movies that I had never heard of, and I don't think he really heard of. Were they in those, like, cardboard cases where you snapped open oh, yeah. the side? And, oh, yeah. yeah. But I remember Contact was one of those. I remember Under Siege with Steven oh, Seagal was one of those. Wow. It was, like, that kind of a hodgepodge. So, anyway, I watch Contact a lot, and I yeah. remember really liking that movie It's a, a solid movie. It really is. It really? Holds, it holds yeah. up well, yeah. Does it hold up? I haven't watched it in a while. I'm like, I want, did, did the, like... Techno, like the whatever the special effects did they yeah. hold up? Yeah, absolutely. There's nothing yeah. like super crazy. You know, there's the machine that they build with the rings that spin around. Like it looks a little CG-ish, but it's always pretty from a distance. So okay. no, I think it was. I like 
It's a great see, movie. that to me, that like falls into like sort of a severance territory mm-hmm. where it's sci-fi, but not like yeah, so sci-fi where yeah. I'm like, what? Like they're made up a language for this, and like yeah, like that. I'm like, okay, I'm not <laughs> trying to like escape reality altogether, right. but I like it when there's like a sci-fi bend to reality yeah well you know that there's science fiction and science fantasy this is very much science yeah i the the whole fantasy thing is where you lose me well yeah that's the thing you know that's where you've got your star trek star wars stuff like you could argue that star trek is science fiction star wars is science fantasy or was it's a space opera whatever but Mm. context is definitely way more grounded than any of those yeah like yeah it doesn't even become science fiction until like the end anyway yeah um Cool, but yeah, so watched Contact, enjoyed that um, mm-hmm. with, uh, and I watched the fourth Indiana Jones movie, which I had watched one, two, and three. Yeah. I, I told myself I'm going to run through them all, and then I got to the fourth one, and I stopped. I was like, <laughs> after Last Crusade, I'm like, all right, I'll take a break. It's and not, then, it's but not, I, but not I, revered as one of the But I knew, greats, I'm like, yeah. I got to watch the fourth one. So I watched Crystal Skull, okay, because I had been defending it for years, telling okay. people that it's no more absurd than some of the other ones are. For like sure. the, the whole ancient aliens storyline is no more ridiculous than super powered religious artifacts. You right. could say it's more plausible. Um, so, uh, so I wonder, I'm like, Drew, are you defending this thing unnecessarily? Cause I only saw it once when it was new. Okay. I saw it in the theaters. Okay. So I rewatched it and I will say it is just as enjoyable as temple of doom because I rewatched temple of doom recently okay. and that one's pretty out there. It is very out there. Even though it's a 1984 film, I gotta say it's super weak. Um, the first act, pretty racist, you yeah. know, so there's that you got to get through. Yeah. And, you know, the character of Willie, the female lead, she is so absolutely unbearable. Yeah. Like everything that comes out of her mouth is like painful. Yeah. Uh, Short Round's a great character, but the rest of the movie, it's just silly. It's It goes from like super goofy to super dark. It's, it's like, like two seconds. It's very tropey. It's, yeah. it's just, it's not super enjoyable. And yeah. I will say that Crystal Skull has its moments where it's so super cringeworthy, but I don't think it's got any, like if it's worse than Temple of Doom, it's only slightly worse than Temple of Doom. But the argument you could make is Temple of Doom had already happened. So yeah. like they could have learned their lessons from that yeah. by the time they came out. You could, the yeah. Fourth one, you yeah. Know what like I mean? the, so the, there's, like, I think that if you removed a lot of the CG and it replaced it with practical effects, yeah. it would be better than Temple of Doom. But isn't that the inherent nature of sequels? Like, you can't just do the same thing. You got to like take it further. So anything with like that many sequels, it's gonna, it's gonna just get so the ridiculous. The CG really ruined a lot of it. Like oh, really? there's a scene where Shia LaBeouf's character is sword fighting with, um, uh, oh God, Lord of the Rings girl. What's her name? Um, anyway. Uh, and that's like, and he's like that, just two Jeeps driving and sword fighting. You could have done that with practical effects. Like, okay. A bunch of safety harnesses that you can green screen out, sure. But you have like fake sunlight coming out of this side, real sunlight coming over here. And I'm like, what? Like this, it just looked so bad. Mm. But it's such a cool stunt, such a cool scene. Yeah. But it gets ruined by this, like they're just adding more crap that they don't need to add. Yeah. So anyway, I, I will <laughs> I will continue to defend it. I don't think it's as bad as okay. people say it is. Okay. And then I watched a couple movies with Archer. I watched, um, he wanted to watch Ron's Gone Wrong, which... You know, it was fine. Never heard of it. We watched uh, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, which was phenomenal. Okay. Like, amazing movie. That's mm. just great from start to finish. Great movie. Okay. And then we watched Pacific Rim, which I've been wanting to watch for a while. Okay. Um, but just a solid 
robots fighting monsters movie. Like at the very beginning, nice. they say, one day monster showed up from the bottom of the ocean and then they kept on showing up. And when we realized they weren't going away, we built robots to fight them. And then it just goes like, and that's it. That's it. That's it. That's your exposition. Simple premise. It gives it to you right at the beginning. And then the rest of it's just like, okay, let's fight some monsters. Okay. And let's try to stop them from coming. And there that's it. Cool. Short, sweet, delivers on exactly what it tells you it's going to deliver at the beginning. Solid. <coughs> All right. That voice did a number on my throat. Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was it. That's 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 been my uh, weeks. Uh, nice. Just um, I did ink up three new pens. I wanted to share that with you guys. Oh yeah, please. Um, I have a Visconti. I forgot for a minute. This is a pen podcast. <laughs> yeah, I got a Visconti Manhattan here. I Ooh, put um, nice. I've never inked up. I, I've looked at Robert Oster Bondi Blue for a while. Never inked up a pen with it. Okay. Bondi Blue in here. Nice. This is a broad. It is a gusher. I don't know how much I'm going to be able to actually use it. Okay. I've got a uh, Japanese um, Pilot 912 here in green. Nice. I'm matching my inks, Brian. Yes. That's perfectly fine. Guess what green ink from Diamine that I put in here that I have that I used to love that I haven't used in many, many, many years. Oh, my gosh. Diamine green black. Green black. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, used I was going to say love, Sherwood green. That was one of my favorite Diamine greens. Solid, yeah. Solid ink. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. I, I regret not having it's ink. It's a nice match it to that pen, too. Yeah. It really it's a nice is. dark green. Yeah. And then um, this one, I have an Iboya um, Urushi pen that I inked up with um, one that I'm not familiar with at all, um, Sailor Shikiyori Okayama. Okay, yeah, um, that's so, one of the newer so, ones. So yeah, that that is a, a nice red. Um, on the swatch, mm-hmm. it showed a little bit of sheening, but uh, I'm not seeing it as much here. So I don't know, I'll keep writing mm. with it, see, okay. see how that plays out. But um, those are my three pens nice. right now. That's yeah. a solid collection there. And I'm tossing around a... Uh, um, a uh, 1900 English crown with uh, old Queen Vicky on here. Okay. Yep. Nice. And some dude trampling a dragon. I forget. He's a saint of some kind. I forget what saint he is, but. Mm, yeah. I don't know saint, which one saint, trampled saint, dragon. Saint somebody. Saint trampling. dragon trampler. Yeah. That's what's happening with me, Brian. All right. You got a lot going on. Uh, let's see here. Me. So I didn't do the pencast last episode. So I got like three weeks to cover, I guess. Um, so the reason that I wasn't here in the last podcast is because we were visiting Rachel's family, um, her extended family. My niece and nephew both had their birthday in the same week. So it's kind of like we just try to go see them because we can just have birthday bonanza. Oh, yeah. Uh, so good time was had by all. Enjoyed that very much. Getting to spend good time with all the cousins. Now that they're getting a little bit older, it's a little less chaos but still plenty of noise and just kid things happening. But it's great. I'm sure that wasn't exhausting at all. Well, it wasn't really because my kids are at the age now where they're like babysitting age. So we can kind of just like delegate to them to manage the little ones. And they're able to do that pretty well. So that's pretty great. So my kids are at the age now where they're still kids, but they kind of get the adult ness that needs to happen that's fantastic and they're also like they spend a lot of time with them but then they're kind of like yeah we're kind of tired we can we like just go back and chill and we're like yes we can let's go chill as a family and we're doing a lot more of that nice what does chilling look like for the goulet family oh usually some form of video game or ipad youtube Lego something, you know, just imagine me and Rachel in miniature form. And that's yep. pretty much our kids. <laughs> I can do that. Um, so that's, that's pretty much how it happens. I'm a little more like, let me go start a project. Yeah. 
But Ellie's got some of that too. She will start projects, but more in like crafting and stuff yeah. like that. She's not like, let me go outdoors and build a fort in the woods. You know, that's or more my vibe. Or yeah, yeah. Hey, don't, don't spoil it. We're getting there. <laughs> yeah. But I did, you know, part of the vibe, part of what works really well for me now when visiting Rachel's family is everybody knows I need projects. To yes. I can't just sit around the house. So you brought some stuff. So, well, I didn't have to bring a lot this time. Really? Um, yeah, because um, basically I went and, and I asked ahead of time. I was like, are there any projects? Do we need to do anything? And they were like, no, not really. But um, my sister-in-law mentioned, she was like, well, they got this like play set for their kids. You know, they got it like I think two years ago. So it's like starting to get a little grimy and that kind of stuff. And But it's still in really good shape. And she was like, well, you know, maybe maybe like cleaning that and like, you know, staining it. And I was like, oh. I'm on it. Oh, wow. Because I get to be outside, all that kind of stuff. So I was like, let's do this. So for that kind of thing, you don't need a real big power washer. And my father-in-law has a small power washer to clean off his deck and stuff like that. I was like, I can use that. I can just bring it over there. Dunzo. I just need to bring some like work clothes and we'll get it taken care of. So it was like in the 90s and it was super hot. And that's so also this, we had- past weekend or the previous weekend? This was the week that I was off. So okay, it was like gotcha. whatever before. This was like the end of June. Um, so I did that. But that's also when like the wildfire smoke from Canada like came back down. And so uh -huh. we had a lot of that going on. So I had to like mask and all that. And so it was like, okay, there was a lot of rain, a lot of things happening. So the weather was a bit wild. Um, but just I was just sweaty and gross and all that. And I was like, cool it was just according to you you would have been sweaty inside too right it, yeah i'm just <laughs> i i can't get away from it now this time of year i just sweat constantly but anyway i talk about sweating a lot on this podcast so I'll, I'll just leave it at that um but i didn't i have some pictures that i'll share here but cleaned up really great it wasn't even that gross but even still like they were shocked and i could just I, i've this is literally like how I paid my way through school is like I cleaned decks yeah. and stuff like that. My father started a power washing business. So he and I did that after I graduated. I did that for several years as I was getting into the pen cast thing or the pen cast thing, the pen making thing and the, you know, this business. So like I have cleaned and sealed a lot of decks and fences and all that kind of stuff. And I still like doing it, you know, especially for family. It's easy. And I'm just like, whatever, just let me do it. You guys pick out the color and I like nudged them a good material to use. And I was like, I can just take care of this for you. And it's just so enjoyable because, you know, it's like this business. I'm like spreadsheets and planning and strategic stuff and economy and all these things I have to think about. It's like I have a bunch of meetings and I'm like, did I really get a lot done today? You don't really know. Delayed results, you know, that kind of a but thing. But you can point at that place and be like, like, that's what I did. Power washing, that's dirty. I completed I'm gonna clean that. it. I immediately clean it. I feel good. I show it to them. They're amazed. Everybody wins and it's very gratifying work. I get all gross and yeah. then I feel nasty and then I shower and I feel amazing. And it's just, I like that work. Yeah. And, I, and I will say that, you know, I know this about you and your role is as you start the business doing tasks yes, and then you hire people mm -hmm. and do different tasks or fewer of those tasks and you move yeah. the, the, the bigger the business grows, the fewer things you just get to legitimately check off exactly. as this is done this is start and finish and i get results and feedback you, you, you get fewer of those it's so little as you now. go so yeah, yeah so now you get very 100%. little so something like this yeah. where you can just check this is done in its entirety yeah like that to has me, to mean a lot well it feels kind of like like parenting your kids right it's like you're laying all you're planting these seeds and laying this groundwork and it's like you're not going to know for a long time if you did it right and you're probably screwing it up somehow 
that's how most of my job yeah. feels like every day. But like if you go on vacation with your family and you're like, screw it, we're getting ice cream tonight. Hey. And you're like, yay. <laughs> that's what it feels kind of like to me. Yes. It's like, whatever. It's just going for instant gratification. Yes. Don't have to worry about long-term consequences. You know, whatever. I don't have to plan and communicate a lot of things yeah. to a lot of people. I think it's super healthy that, yeah, you that. know, <laughs> it, that you allow yourself and anybody allows themselves opportunity to achieve little things like it can make a big difference for sure for sure especially if you feel like overwhelmed and trapped so i did that i got some pictures i can show it turned out great they're super happy and what's so great about that type of thing too is like they you know it was early on like it hadn't gotten to the point because anything that you have that's wood the longer you let it go the wood starts to degrade and then it's never even if you clean it and seal it again you can't bring it back to what the wood was before you know, it's like if you wax your car or whatever, it's like if you keep up with it, it stays good for longer, but like it's only degrading over time. So if you like let it go and let it go, then it's hard to bring it back. So like they caught it at a really good time. I put a really good material on and it's just going to be great for them for like, they're not going to think about it for five years probably. Yes. By then they won't need it anymore. Exactly. So anyway, and I usually like bring stuff to, I'm usually like, let me bring books to read and I'll bring pens to clean and all that kind of stuff. And I never get to most of it. But this time I brought pens to clean and I cleaned like a dozen pens while I was up there too. So I was just like freaking nailing it. Nice. Nailing's vacation. Are you like all caught up now? No. Because <laughs> well, I, like, I feel like you recently told me you only had like a dozen uh, pens. Well, the, the Fountain Pen 101 Part 4 that we're about to put out, I inked up like 20 pens for that Oh, video. that's right. But I put them all in a case and I was like, hey, Adrian, do you think you or your team might be able to help me with this? So I think they're working on a lot of those. Nice. So I have, I have maybe like 10 pens left to clean, which is good for me. That's not bad. Yeah. During the, the <laughs> pandemic, you had like 50. Oh, it was bad. Yeah. yeah. At any given time, I may have a few dozen. Yeah. But that's just how I go. Um, and then just lots of pool time with the kids. Nice. Like, my kids now, like, we're not doing swimming lessons anymore. They're like, they just need to be able to survive if they fall yeah. in the water. That's that's it. We accomplished that. They're done now. Now it's at the point where, like, even the pools we go to, I'm like, they can touch everywhere. Like, they can, yeah. they can touch the bottom pretty much everywhere because they're really tall. So I'm like, we're done with the whole swimming lessons and all that. So, yeah, just going to the pool, having fun with them, getting lots of sun. Um, and then last week I came back and you were off and it was just oddly quiet around here. Well, I mean, it there's, kind of, it was kind of nice. Probably lots of reasons why that could be a thing, <laughs> but no, it was weird. Like I hadn't seen you and then I came back and then you're not here and I'm like, okay, we're just going to do stuff. And then it was like 4th of July. ton of people were taken off anyway. Cause 4th yeah. of July was on a Tuesday. So Monday there was like, it was like a ghost. Yeah, I came there. back on Monday. I'm like, I'm going to, yeah. I'm not going to have a job. Like he's, <laughs> he, he found a way to do everything no, without no, no, me. No, not at all. No, not I, at that's all. always the way. And ever since I got a job, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not needed anymore. Oh my See, God. For me, usually I take off and I come back and I'm like, I'm going to have so much to catch up on. If I like actually really try to take time off. But then I came back and like hardly anybody was here the Monday I came back and I was like, I can catch up on my own crap hey. and not have to like do stuff. So it was really good to ease yeah. back into it. Um, yeah. So that was really good. And then we had 4th of July and, you know, I had gotten to see my sister and her family and my sister, she's got a lot going on and she's got all these like projects around her house. And so I was just like, can I like help you with any of that? And she's like, oh, you're so busy and all that. And I'm like, no, really? Like, just let me I know. Need this. I was like, just give me a list of projects and I'll just knock out what I can when I can. And if you aren't that worried about it, I'll just communicate to you with the days that I have free and I'll just come over and help you with stuff. So I was free on 4th of July. 
for the morning. And I was like, let me just come over in the morning and just, I'll bring my truck and I'll just, you point to things and I'll haul them away. Like, cause like they don't have a truck or anything. They've got like an old grill that's broken. They've got all this random brush and crap that they don't know what to do with. And so I was like, just point to stuff. And they had like a limb that had fallen off a tree and kind of fell under their that neighbor's property. That is such a gift. And just random stuff. And I was like, and that's like, it's not a big deal for me. And I'm like, I don't care. I'm just, whatever. I'll just go do some work. But like, I knew it would help her a ton. So I just went and did that. That is amazing. Yeah, That is fun. such a gift yeah. to a homeowner. To yeah. Just have somebody just take stuff away. Yeah. And I'm like, a bit, I'm like, whatever. I can cut up a branch and haul it away. Like, but my sister's just like, can't do that. You know, so I was like, I'll do it. I'm fine. That like, is amazing. And she's like, oh, it's so heavy or whatever. I'm like, you don't understand how much I do on my property. Right. <laughs> like I cut down 90 foot tall trees, right. you know, and haul them away like on a regular basis. Like it's really fine. So that was kind of cool. And then um, this is very random, but I have a riding lawnmower. And this yeah. is like, you, you, you like, you, you hate mowing the lawn, but I love it. But like mower maintenance is like a step degree like a degree beyond that but i've like really enjoyed it because as i've maintained more engines like i know how to do more i have the tools and it's just easy so like i had to change the hydraulic oil i love this journey for you yeah so like there's the engine but what was cool is like hey joseph i want to show you like what i'm doing here because it's like it's not that often i have to change the hydraulic oil in my lawnmower but i was like Joseph, come here. I'm going to show you what I'm doing. So I didn't like make him do a lot, but I just wanted him to see what I was doing. So I was explaining to him like how the engine works and the oil system within the engine. And then the hydraulic oil is a separate system. And I was showing him. And he like hung in there with me for like two hours while I was doing two this. hours. Yeah. Dang. Because <laughs> it takes it kind of takes a while, you know, yeah, but that's a long time for a yeah, kid to pay attention Did the whole thing. And I'd never actually change it on that mower. So I had to kind of read up and learn a little bit. And the best way to learn is to teach. So yeah. I taught him and he did great. So, you know made it fun and now i'm like i'm literally at the point where it's like i've actually done all of the proper maintenance with that mower for the entire year and i'm like i'm good now and i'm like normally i'm like oh i meant to change the spark plug or i meant to change whatever and it's like uh you know whatever and i get to it later but i'm like no i'm actually like on point with everything i'm like "Mm, nailing it anyway it's a small thing but there you go and then crossing things off yes the last two days i was gone so like this is wednesday we're shooting this wednesday morning so it's like kind of weird for us now we normally shoot tuesday afternoon because we went to the beach we took our kids we're like two hours from the beach we have not been to the beach in seven years i didn't realize it had been that much time but like we looked at pictures of our kids and i'm like they are toddlers the last time we went to the beach wow and a lot has changed since then it was 2016 yeah and so i was like okay so we went to the beach rachel just booked it she didn't even ask me she just booked it because she was like we're not just going to make it a big thing. It's going to be a couple of days or whatever. And we went and the kids had a great time. Nice. We spent a total of five hours at the beach on Monday and that was enough. Yeah. And then we did some mini golf. We got, we ate like crap and yep. it was fun. And then we like Tuesday morning, we had the hotel until like 11 and it was like, Hey, y'all want to go to the beach one more time before? And they were like, I'm kind of beached out. And I was like, okay, good. So my <laughs> Rachel was totally beached out. And we were like, as a family, it was just like, we were all in sync about like how was much, this north carolina or virginia virginia beach yeah. yeah just like literally like you take 64 out to the beach and it was like a block over mm-hmm. it was like as straightforward as could be yep. we went there it was like rainy the first day we went there so we just chilled you know it's like a two-hour drive so it was like far enough to feel like you've gone somewhere but not so much that you like you have to recover from all the travel so like a two-hour travel is like yeah solid yeah. you know easy and it was like two like rachel booked it for two days because we were like i don't we can't do a week at the beach. 
we just we can't we're not those we're not those people so we went we did the beach thing we bought a boogie board the kids whatever got knocked around and it smacked them in the head <laughs> and they got the experience there was sand everywhere that's it and that was the whole beach experience everybody was burnt and everything we put sunscreen on but still got burnt that's how you do it it was like yep we had like the whole beach experience in like a day and a half that is the beach experience and then we left and it was like that was the perfect amount of time for our family for the beach yeah we did it and it was like nailed it and it's like we asked them like you all would want to do it again next year they're like yeah you know for like a day and a half two day thing i'm like solid so we got that dialed in um and then other random thing i'm building a bench right now I, I saw that on here. Yep, currently building a bench. Not sure why. Said, That's the note that I wrote. <laughs> That's what you wrote. I'm building a bench. Mm-hmm. Not sure why. Not sure why. So I have this wood. <laughs> this is how it goes for me. I have this wood that I acquired, and I'm like, I've acquired a lot of a lot of wood. Oh uh, yeah. A lot of wood. And I'm like, I need to build things. Something. And I need to build like I've built like pen <laughs> stands and stuff like that. But I'm like, this isn't using any wood. I need to build like Things like furniture. So are you, now, when you say you've acquired a lot of wood, are you saying that, like just because you've chopped down a lot of trees? Well, I, yeah. No, or are you I, no, actually no, no, going no. out and buying wood? No, like for I, no reason. I got a wood guy, and like he fell, he fell, like they fall trees in the city, or like after storms fall or whatever. They're like, and you ask for this? Well, he like cuts them up into slabs and dries them and stuff like that. So I buy like, these really unique slabs of wood. Okay, so you I are like, actively buying. And I like these the guy. He's them. a small business trying to help him out also it's really unique wood it's locally felled it's all really cool so it's like it's hitting around a lot of the right things i'm just not making large pieces of furniture at the rate of which i've acquired this wood so it's at the point where i'm like i need to start making some bigger stuff so i was like okay so i actually have this wood that's really cool it's this old growth yellow pine like heart pine that is at least 150 years old. Oh, wow. And it's like really tight rings, like the kind of stuff you can't get anymore. And it was all salvaged out of the um, sour spice factory oh. uh, in the heart of Richmond. Uh, so I had a lead on it. They were renovating the whole inside. So they pulled up all the original like floorboards and like ceiling joists and stuff like that. There was like super old. It's like caked in this like, like literally like a century's worth of stuff. So, so this wasn't a tree. No, this was reclaimed wood. Like beams and stuff. Yeah. Oh. So it's like I got like three inch thick like floor oh, like wow. beams and stuff like that. Yeah. So so in Richmond, yeah. we have the Sours, A-S-A-U-E-R's factory uh-huh. here. Uh, you know, they yeah. make like vanilla extract and Duke's mayonnaise and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. So they were renovating a couple of years ago. And through a contact of somebody I knew, they oh, were like, wow. they were like, they've got stacks of this old reclaimed wood that they're just going to get rid of. Oh, that's cool. And so they were like, if you want any, just come and take as much as you want. So I literally loaded up my trailer with as much as I could. Oh my God. Of these, like, some of them are like eight by eight beams yeah. that are like six, eight feet long. Oh, wow. And some of them are like thinner, like they were more floorboards. So they're like maybe two and a half, three inches thick, but like six or eight feet long by maybe 12 inches wide. You could solid make, wood. You could make several benches. Yeah. So I was like, I had these pieces of wood that were like 12 inches wide by like two, three inches thick. I was like, I could make some like chunky, like slab type, you know, bench. Like I could just make a bench. That's mm-hmm. pretty easy. I can do like a mortise and tenon kind of joint on the thing. I could practice some joinery work on some bigger pieces, kind of learn some stuff and I can use up some of that wood. So I was like, that's what I'm going to do. So I was like, I think I'm going to put it at like the foot of our bed, maybe. Yeah. But I don't know if Rachel's going to like it or not. So I was like, I'm just going to build it anyway. If she doesn't like it, you and can... see if, if she doesn't like it, I'm just going to bring it to work. Yeah, or whatever, bring it in here. You can put you it know? in the uh, waiting area. 100%. Put, I was put, like, put, put, put a cushion on it or something like that. Uh, people need benches. Yeah. So like, I'll just make it. 
and it'll be good practice for me. It's not a huge project. And then, you know, maybe I'll like it at home and maybe not. So then, you know, I'm in the middle of building a bench. Nice. So and I, I will say I've, I've sat on the uh, chairs over here by our front door. Yeah. Not great. Not, not pleasant experience. No. I don't know that a bench would be much more comfortable. Just like a hardwood bench, but. You could put some. You could put it's up. cool, at least. Whatever. You could get like a rectangular cushion for There's it. There's lots of. Like we have lots of walls here. I could put a bench up against. We have walls. And, and people like, people are still sitting on things. Yeah. Like, even after they've sitting been sitting on things. On things for, it's not going to go out of style. I don't think it will. No. No, so far like, so good. Plus, it's like, well, Brian made that. It's like that's kind of cool, you know. So anyway, I say, bench it up, man. Keep I'm, on. That's what I'm doing. I'm benching it up. Do all the benches. And then pen related stuff. So I acquired recently the new Yukari Royale. Yeah. I got one of those Fizzy Eco Heats. Oh, you did that. That color is awesome. It's pretty good. Yeah. It's like a solid orange. I really like that color a lot. Interesting. So I pretty much get every eco that comes out anyway. Oh, okay. Because you know I got a problem. <laughs> um, but I got that one. I to- chose a fine nib for that one. I have so many egos at this point. It's like, whatever. I don't really care about the nib size. Um, and then I got a new Edison Premiere in a surprise color, which I'm not going to say yet. Oh, that's right. I have that one. You do so have that one. So I acquired that. So y'all will see it soon. Does it enough. say the word proof on it somewhere? Yeah. Uh-huh. It says AP on it. Yeah. Oh. So it'll be, I think it's going to be numbered. Yeah. And then. It will be numbered. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then I'm going to have my own AP version. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, that's it. That's, that's what I've got going on. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. Do you have a, you have a picture of this bench? Uh, I haven't really taken any pictures of it Nothing yet. yet? No, okay. but I'll, I'm excited I'll about this take, bench. I'll try to take some pictures at some point. Right now, it doesn't look like much, but I'm excited. That that wood fascinates look, me. It's pretty cool. Like that, like old yeah. factory beam. I'll have wood. to take a picture. I didn't take a picture like before I started working it, but I have some other pieces of wood. I can take some before and after pictures. It looks totally different. That like it's literally cool. like brown black caked over with old dirt and all kinds of stuff and all that goes away by the time i've worked that is it. super cool but i'm really leaving, excited but it's got like about that. giant like nail holes in and stuff like that i'm debating whether i want to just like leave the holes and some of the like mm-hmm. chips and stuff that are out of it i think you should yeah or just that, that would I have could, a like, story to tell but i could like fill them with like black epoxy or something i could still like you know, show them like, i don't know if i want like the actual holes mm, still there yeah. so i'm kind of debating like how you know, I, I guess I its story leave? will still be told even if it's filmed yeah. like it'll still be obvious yeah i'm kind of debating about that so we'll see but i might just kind of leave it more natural and with its with its imperfections yeah i like to that sort of show that it was like reclaimed a little bit you know anyway um yeah and then uh we'll do a couple company updates and then we can wrap it up all right so we have a video that drew put together the top selling pens at every price. I think that one, I don't know. Did you mention that in the last, I don't remember if you mentioned it in the last I one. I think remember. that came out since you did the last pen cast. It did. Um, it so, came out the week I was off. Yeah, that's right. So anyway, go check that one out. If you haven't already, we actually pulled some sales data to see it's like by skew. Yeah. So there might be some stuff in there where you're like, if you rolled up all the like color sizes, it may be some different one. Yeah. It'd be, there's a lot of different ways to like, repackage yeah. some of like best-selling whatever it is I, I chose to do it by color so that I have more to talk about because yeah. if, I, if I just did by model then I'd be like yeah hey, it's this model and it's like this but yeah. I went I went very specific so I'd say mm-hmm. like this is why this particular color yeah. is this popular it just yeah. gave me more talking points yeah, for a video for sure. you know yeah because probably it wouldn't be that much of a surprise otherwise. Probably not. You know? It's just less to talk about. Yeah, that's fun. Um, and then we have soon-ish. I'm not exactly sure when we'll get this one out, but Fountain One Pen 101 Part 4. It's all about nibs. 
It ended up being a little longer than we initially planned, but we're trying to cover a lot. So that'll be a really good reference video for you as well. Um, and then this is random and will probably already have happened by the time this video goes out, but we're porting over to a new phone system this week. So we're not gonna have phones for Thursday and Friday. This is gonna publish on Friday. So it's probably already happened, but whatever. We'll have a new phone system. Shouldn't make much of a difference to you all, but it's happening. Um, and then also we're having a mental health half day this Friday as well. So I don't know what I'm gonna do, I just took a couple of days. Yeah, off, I don't know what I'm going to do something. either. I don't know. We'll find something to do. Maybe I'll work on my bench. I don't know. Mm. Or I'll come up with some other random thing. Um, and then um, it's worth mentioning as well. I think we've mentioned it briefly previously, but we'll say it again. We're going to be at the DC Pen Show coming up on August 6th. We didn't give the time and date last time. We didn't have the time and date confirmed, but we have it now. So we are going to be doing a pencast, record, a pencast recording. Yeah. A modified pencast, not full length. Probably but a pencast slash meet and greet Q&A type thing at the show. It'll be on Sunday morning at 11 a.m. So they got a room for us. A couple different rooms, I think, actually. Yeah, I mean, there will be limited you know. seating, um, but it's not like we're charging for it or anything. So. Right. So it'll be kind of um, like first come, first serve, whatever. Cram it in there. We don't really care. Yeah. I'm sure there's fire codes of some kind we'll have to adhere to, but whatever. Yeah, um, for the meet, whatever. If you're not there for the actual recording, the meet and greet portion will just stay until people stop talking to us or they kick us out. So... Um, anyway, we'll be there. So yeah. 11 a.m. So we'll record a pencast. Um, I think we're going to shoot for two hours, like an hour of pencast and an hour of meet and greet. Yeah, um, but we're going to be at the show anyway Yeah, in general. We're going to be at the show on Saturday and all that stuff too. So we'll probably skip like the what's new section. You know, yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll try to we'll, we'll hone it a maybe little bit. do just three questions instead of five. I don't know. Maybe we'll take some questions while we're there. We'll figure it out. We we're, don't know yet. We just know where we're going to be and what time we're going to be there. Exactly. So if you were hoping to go to the show or you wanted to meet us or whatever just wanted to confirm like a time and a place where you can do that so there you go the dc uh pen show does not have any rooms available at the show hotel any longer though so yeah, i'm guessing up. it's going to be a pretty packed show it'll be it's usually pretty crazy anyway but yeah. it's quite an event if you can make it there it's it's an experience and this is the first show that i've been to since covid this will be the first one that's four years i think so it's going to be a bit Interesting. No, three years, three years, three and a half, whatever. It's going to be a lot. So uh, you've been to a bunch, but I have not. So it should be interesting. Anyway, let's wrap this thing up. We're going to thank you all for watching. Please leave us some feedback. Let us know how we're doing. Ask us some questions so that we can keep this show going. Uh, check out gulaypens.com for your fountain pen, ink, and paper needs. Subscribe, like us on YouTube and Instagram and TikTok and all these things. And I have a very random fun fact about nothing we've discussed today. Yay! This was a video that I happened to watch recently. Okay. And I researched a little bit and I was like, this is interesting. So, you know, um, if you're looking at like cars or motors or whatever, they always say the term horsepower. I've heard of horsepower. Do you know what horsepower refers to or why it's called horsepower? I think like I that? looked it up once, but no, I have no memory of it. So I was like, yeah, I, maybe I was the same thing. I was like, I kind of looked it up maybe one time, but I just was like, huh. But anyway, watch watch something about it recently. So, um, well, the term horsepower uh, is generally referred to as a measure of power for engines and mechanical motors. And it does, in fact, refer to the power of a horse. So it's quite literal. Um, so James Watt, he was a Scottish inventor in the 1700s. He came up with an improvement on the design of the steam engine. Uh, and that is largely what propelled the world into the industrial revolution so he is known as like one of the most influential people in the industrial revolution which has obviously been a pretty big deal 
for better or for worse. Uh, he was trying to market his revolutionary design. Basically, there was a, a steam engine already, but it was highly inefficient. And he revolutionized the way to make it way more efficient. And that made it much more economical and much more practical for people to use. But the problem was most of the people who he was trying to convince and sell this to, they didn't already have engines. So his whole improvement of the design and everything was kind of falling on deaf ears. And what he found is that most of the people that he was trying to explain and kind of market his engine to were people who were still using horses as their primary source of whether they were using like pumping water or, you know, working a farm or whatever it was. Horses were the point of reference for what he had. So what he had to do is he had to basically come up with a way to measure how much power a horse has. And of course, horses are animals and they vary in size and breed and all these kind of stuff. So he had to come up with some kind of way to standardize it. So he ran all these different tests. And of course, there's Imperial versus whatever. There's different versions of it. But long story short, skipping the details, he came out with 33,000 foot pounds per minute of power that a horse would output. As a, foot as pounds? A foot pounds, yeah. So I've never even heard like, of that one. So think about it like basically if you have like a weight and you're trying to like lift like one one foot you lift like one pound one foot you know per minute or per second or however you choose to measure it i don't think i needed it was a way that one's gonna break me yeah i barely understand it I don't okay i don't understand it well enough to truly explain it but it basically was like as as a way to like determine how much power output there was you have to have an object of a particular weight and it has to move a certain distance within a certain period of time that's that's the power output that it comes up with. So he devised this way to do it and standardizes 33,000 whatever. And he used that to compare his like engine's output. And that's basically what's held up to, to today. So now when you measure, you know, the power output of that horsepower, it's uh, it's it's based off of what this guy came up with in the late 1700s. So, what? Yep. And he played such an important role in the Industrial Revolution his name is James Watt. If you think about like wattage of light bulbs, ah. it's named after him. That's uh. where the term watt comes from. It's from this guy. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, so watt, watt is another term that's used for, for power output, not just in electricity, but can be used for other things. So if you ever like now there's like people have like fitness watches and these types of things. So if you're like doing a lot of like physical activity, wattage is like one of the measures of your, your power output. If you're doing like cycling or power training and stuff like that, that's the guy. He's the guy that mm. is named after. So the guy who invented the steam engine, like came up with the industrial revolutionary kind of stuff, he came up with the term horsepower. So that's the same guy that is wattage of light bulbs and stuff. So I just thought that was really interesting. That is interesting. So even though I don't understand the math behind foot it pounds, all, yeah. Foot, foot pounds, yeah. Foot candles yeah. is a thing too, I think. Yeah. And then like that's like a like, measurement of light. You get into joules and newtons and yeah. all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, okay, this is where like my, my intelligence is breaking down a little bit. But anyway, yeah. he's the dude, James Watt. All right. Did some stuff. Anyway, I thought that was fun. Well, I thought it was worth sharing. That is. So there you go. Go around and enjoy the horsepower in your life. Thanks for watching and right on.